0: Oh my god
1: in huddersfield but it's like a cultural yeah. backwater i mean that's why i'm on the internet you know that's why i'm doing my thing with like the youtube so it's like a suburb or or what does your place look like no it's a it's a it's a, an urban center of this town called huddersfield which is a, oh. a west yorkshire which is northern england mm-hmm. town and it's, it's a quite, I mean, it's seen better days, let's put it mm-hmm. that way, you know, um, Tory austerity has hit it pretty poorly. I mean, just in terms of the high streets anyway, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's pitiful and yeah. Um, yeah, it, you know, that I mean, well Brexit is, is, is not going to do it any favors either, but uh, it, it, it really is a cultural backwater. We have an art gallery with, which has some paintings in it, which are, which are no, but mainly just no mm. culture. You know, and the best thing you get is like the craft fairs and they're always a yeah. Bit like, yeah. you know, we all know what to expect from that. It, yeah. Is
0: it like the equivalent of like the Rust Belt in the United States where we had, you know, a bunch of places that use that factories
1: no longer do? Yeah. Um, the North, the North was the industrial strength of, of of Britain in that sense. All the steel came from Sheffield mm-hmm. and like uh, during the, you know, the, the days of sort of industrialization and what have you and, and all that's gone. I mean, you, you travel down the length of Yorkshire, it's, it's like these gutted factories, these skeletons, you know, mm. they're just on, empty. Just where, where I used to live in Homebridge, we lived in the shadow of this derelict mill you know it's um uh, quite quite impressionable i guess i, I used but, to
0: love that as an aesthetic though uh, like you know in brooklyn we had a bunch of um i mean still do right a bunch of factories are either closed or you know perhaps are just being used as warehouses now or just sometimes you know just just completely empty um yeah I used there's, to, there's a, beauty, there's that a beauty to
1: urban decay there's a beauty yeah. to kind of like shard urban edifices, but I mean mm-hmm. but even even that can be quite glamorous. I mean I go into McDonald's. You know, if you've been in a McDonald's the last five years, you'll notice it's different now from all the fluorescent lighting and the they mm-hmm. put up like wallpaper of bricks with graffiti drawn on it. Do you know what I mean? They put up mm-hmm. like brooklyn tenement like um uh, facades mm. like uh, to make it feel urban and you know um, uh, gritty and i suppose uh, uh quite um uh, hip-hop or whatever it's it you know it's it, it can have kind of its own sort of stylishness to it i guess
0: yeah well may, maybe internationally it's, it's a bit different and uh, nothing really fancy happens in the pizza huts or the mcdonald's like around here but for example if you go to china the pizza mm. huts are like you know very fancy restaurants where people, mm. where people show up for like, you know, business meetings and show like that. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, yeah, so, yeah, uh, so you know, I've always loved that um, uh, aesthetic, right? It, it, in Brooklyn, partly because, you know, it was one of these things where you could keep uh, sort of at uh, arm's length, right? Because you don't have to deal with the fallout from all that, or at least I didn't, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, to somebody yeah. else watching that, you know, that could be kind of like, you know, I can imagine if you're like someone in your 60s or 70s, uh, with the way that New York City used to be, you're watching, you know, a, a chapter in your own history, not only close but just be, you know, completely gutted. Right? Mm-hmm. That would be a very different set of experiences. Whereas, like for me, it's always this, you know, kind of almost like an, an alien landscape from the beginning, since mm-hmm. I never really had to uh, be a part of it anyway, other than as a spectator.
1: It's like I've moved through urban and rural places all my life and it's it, it's it's weird the sort of recalibration that goes on i think when mm. you're like you know, in an urban space where you're traveling down canyons all the time to a, you know a rural space of big sky and sort of wide open spaces and yeah. um, that yeah. was always jarring to me going back and forth when i was a student from manchester and back to home valley just um uh, it was like sort of being dorothy sort of go in the cyclone in a way mm. just going to a whole different world from a world of you know, urban decay and detritus and that sort of world to the world of, um, uh, you know, green and uh, landscape.
0: I've always been like Woody Allen in the sense that he can't, you know, he wants to be in the city, he wants to be able to walk through cities. uh, And, you know, I've been like that most of my life, still am.
1: I've seen a lot of people... You know, I've I've been trying to read other people's writing about Woody Allen to sort of prepare for this, and it, it's weird the the sort of arguments that go on. Some people say, "Oh, Woody Allen, he's a great poet of the city," and other people mm-hmm. say, "No, no, no, he's you don't understand. He's parodying and, and pastiching. It's it's an insincere kind mm-hmm. of affection, um, uh, and it's it's weird to see that going on back and forth through all his films, especially in a film like Manhattan, which begins yeah. with a big a big um parade fireworks sort of a montage uh, and then later with um what what was it called again midnight in paris mm-hmm. and that whole film kind of being about um idealizing uh times places cities what have you and uh, yeah, so so it's, it's a tricky one i mean what what do you think about woody allen like and the way that kind of he's always drawn to the urban spaces and the city centers is, is it just because it's a world that's familiar to him or is like or is there something deeper about the cities and the psychogeography of cities in his films
0: well first of all i would ask you like do, do you think uh that dichotomy that you brought up that you see uh critics uh discussing right either he's yeah. doing this parody pastiche or you know yeah. it's some, some sort of a celebration like like do you do you accept that these are the two lenses to view this through because i've never really uh, i've never really accepted that it, it seems like it, it misses the mark um in terms of what he's actually been doing in a lot of cases although in in some they could
1: could seem like the opposing extremes of the the way in which people could read sort of Woody Allen's either as being you know one could say that um generally artists portray themselves as either ironists or sincerists Mm -hmm. you know and I think generally you know people aren't really sure whether Woody Allen is ironizing something or whether he's being sincere about something. And I don't agree that it's always, um, uh, the case that, you know, it will be, um, cut and dry one or the either, or even if the the artist will be conscious of this, but like, in your opinion, like, do you think, um, uh, like when it comes to the cities that he's singing, you know, that he's singing a big song of these cities or, or is it more of a, or is he trying to make us think more about, um, uh, how we celebrate cities? Well, um,
0: Oh, I mean, we're going to be talking a lot more about this specifically like, I, you know, with Midnight yeah. in Paris. I'm just wondering, like, you know, to what degree is a character like uh, uh, Gil, um, mm-hmm. to what degree is he just this like no talent hack? To what degree is he supposed to be, you know, a talented artist that is just trying to break out of all the circumstances that conspire, you know, against his greatness or whatever? Uh, or you know, or is it something else? Like generally, I found like to use Manhattan as an example. I'm not sure if you've read my essay in Manhattan from my uh, Woody Allen uh, Real to Real book, but in, in that essay, I, I basically talk about how you know when, when I'm going through all the reviews of this film. Almost everybody is mm-hmm. focusing on like like the, the cliche that that was always uttered. Like it's like essay after essay is using the same phrase, and you just first of all wonder how are you okay with just like using the exact same you know like trope and cliche again and again and again that you see everybody else using. But the idea is it's a love letter, right to 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 Manhattan, Love right? letter to yeah, yeah. And um, I mean from the very beginning. Uh, the film strikes me as we you know we have uh, I forget the name of a uh, woody allen's character in manhattan but he's calling woody allen it's woody allen yeah. isn't it oh, yeah. so so i mean th- this guy's a real piece of shit and everybody around is, him yeah. and everybody around him though is not aware of that they they have fully bought in to what he's doing, to the way that he's viewing life.
1: Well he's he's a he's a he's a piece of shit, but like um he's 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 a kind of a nice person in insofar as his relationships. I mean no one it's a bit like and then later on we'll get on to Pic Marley and stuff but Henry mm-hmm. Higgins in a certain mm-hmm. con in a certain context Henry Higgins is quite you know funny and witty in the life of the party. In other contexts he's he's evil. You know I think that's um uh that's Woody in film to a tea.
0: Well, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure to what degree uh, I, I'd call him even, you know, nice. I guess maybe in some ways he's nice. I mean, he, he he's nice to the uh, Mary Hemingway character, but that's because he wants to fuck her, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he wants to have threesomes with her and he wants this and he wants that. Um, so, uh, and, and I mean, like, even in that film, there's like this, there's this very, very quick line of dialogue that you could miss very, you know, just very fast where, some I forget whether he admits to it or someone accuses him of trying to run over his ex-wife with the car. Yeah, and he's yeah. like playing it off as an accident. And it's it's meant to be humorous, but that's because it's in the universe of a comedy, right? Real life is not a comedy. Uh you, you you're sort of left assuming that perhaps he did, you know, try to either intentionally or subconsciously you know essentially murder you know his ex-wife so and there's like a lot of a lot of stuff like that right so i mean uh, again and again he behaves in a way that completely uh uh, bellies and is bellied by all the beautiful imagery of manhattan and it's also interesting in the sense that you know a a lot of similar films from a similar time period like taxi driver they show a very different side of manhattan right he always focuses on uh, well, usually focuses on the like, most the, bourgeois part. Yeah, so yeah, the, like the, 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 the Exactly, yeah. And you know like the the, the yuppie side of things he, he's yes. he's he's interested in, in uh seeing how you know upper class neuroses tend to play out which it's it's interesting to me because i mean but, he, but like
1: just just before I forget like you know like i'm um, uh, talking about like the him his like dubious morality or what have you like um uh it, it there there just seems to be the sense with not just Manhattan but other films as well that you know uh, and, and maybe it's a kind of a chauvinistic thing on the character's part. Um, uh, how great I am, you know how deep I am, how wonderful I am, but it does seem to be that some way in relationships, um the woman he's with is in some way her life is improved by meeting Woody Allen or other other people, even if they do become his enemies they mm. they see some kind of improvement in their life, you know, a bit like Eliza from Pygmalia, kind of like some kind of improvement happens. That kind of you, you get the sense that people tolerate him for this very reason. Even the person he, you know, his new wife, uh, his ex wife's new lover, yeah. like even they kind of put up with him. But you get the sense that, you know, this isn't, you know, we're not supposed to, it, even that's morally ambiguous. You know, can they mm-hmm. maybe they don't see the real depth of kind of his uh, um, problems, his neuroses, you know, his violence, uh, his what have you.
0: Yeah, um, I I, I mean, I think it's a possibility. And I I I wasn't expecting uh, because when we were exchanging notes uh, for this show, you mentioned that the Pygmalion lens, which is I I think it's a good way of of viewing this. So for audience members that uh, don't know, Pygmalion um, is a it's a it's a Greek myth. It was also interpreted by uh, Ovid and the Metamorphoses. Yeah. Uh, the, the the myth uh, in, in Ovid is basically um, so Pygmalion is, is a sculptor. Uh, he hates women because he you know he sees like uh, women engaging in prostitution and just sort of having loose moral morals. so he becomes like a complete woman hater. And the only woman that he ever uh, falls in love with right he's living as a bachelor bachelor is the one that he sculpts right. So he's able to uh, sculpt this, Thing that is, you know, the only woman that he's capable of loving, right? And, and she, yeah, yeah, and, and he he um, you know, he prays to Venus for um, you know, to, to bring her to life. This is what happens, uh, so
1: you know, in it, 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 you know, just like that's Mr. Like, Hay- yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the that's the Greek myth and that yeah, have that George Bernard Shaw play, which I think yeah. is 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 probably the core cool text here for like looking at because mm-hmm. I a great deal of his uh. Films Woody Allen, a great deal of his films are kind of adaptations of Pygmalion, in my opinion. Yeah. Or there is a very strong Pygmalion theme. Some works like Mighty Aphrodite or Annie mm. Hall, for instance, these are these are very Pygmalion films where he is Henry Higgins and the, the woman is Eliza Doolittle, yeah. and it, it plays out like that. But obviously there there are there are some twists. There's some maybe some genre deconstruction, some ironic distance, some you know. It, emotional depth that we perhaps don't get from the stiff buttoned up late Victorian sentiments of Shaw. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think that's, that's a key text as well, much more than uh, the, the Greek myth. Actually,
0: of, yeah, I was, I was, that's actually,
1: yeah, I was, but the yeah. idea of the artist who creates, you know, yeah. like um, uh, create something to control it, but then finding the things beyond its control and you know what have you. It, yeah. it, it, and the conflicting ethics there with the dynamics of power, you know, per, uh, patrilineal power, um, uh, sort of male power over women, what women's suffrage. It, these these are big themes in those kind of films, too, even if they're played quite lightly and comically. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, uh, you know, I don't want what I want. Kind of that's the exaggerated stereotype we get from Woody Allen films. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the, the sort of the klutzy kind of uh, woman like uh, played by Diane Keaton.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I was gonna make the transition into a, a Bernard uh, Shaw's Pygmalion, and so like, I, I mean, like I know Ovid, I jumped
1: the shark. <laughs> yeah, it, well, I mean, like the Ovid
0: poem doesn't really um, it, it doesn't really do much for me. There's not really that much that's happening there. But uh, depending you know, what
1: translation you're reading, I'll, I'll I'll say that much. I quite like yeah, Ovid. So uh, yeah. I'll yeah, stand yeah, for Ovid. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, even you know, like so- something I think that's even more obvious. Like if you look at the different translations of *Catullus*, right? You could get a legitimately great. Home like a us number fifty one. I'll, I'll, I'll
1: say the only good thing Rob um, Ted Hughes ever did was his um, uh, version of um, uh, Metamorphosis by Ovid. But like yeah, uh, I've I've never read that um, version. Worth um, a look, but you know uh, only if you're feeling charitable.
0: But but anyway, so uh, Bernard uh, Shaw's Pygmalion. It's a similar situation where you have this kind of you know lifelong um, uh, bachelor, right, Mister Higgins, who's he's some kind of linguist. Right, he uh, sees this flower seller in the play, um, uh, mm. and she, you know, she she has this like very thick. I'm not exactly sure what that kind of English Cockney. accent, Cockney accent. Okay, so she yeah. she has this very thick accent. He sees her. He starts like taking down notes. Right, he starts becoming becoming obsessed mm. with like like thinking like can i actually you know turn her into a, a proper speaker and also in yeah. that way like a, a proper lady right part of like upper mm-hmm. crust society and mm-hmm. he's also a bachelor but the the new element that's introduced here that you don't get in mm-hmm. ovid is um he also very much has like a mother complex right where like the, <laughs> yeah. like like the first time like he seems to be like a very sort of serious gruff man who was like constantly making fun of others
1: but the second he seems, that almost, see- he seems almost asexual and yeah, i think yeah, you know yeah. that there, there's ways to read it where he where yeah. he seems um, just, he describes women as blocks of wood mm-hmm. in the in the play
0: yeah and, and to, to him for a long time that's exactly what it is right so his mother is always pestering him like are you gonna get married or what um mm-hmm. and you know he essentially says that i haven't found someone to <laughs> suit me yeah. Uh, and says so, I can't the, get over
1: you. Like, uh, yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. So, and, and and this starts, you know, having more interplay with Woody Allen and his films because mm-hmm. Woody Allen oftentimes has a, a some sort of like, you know, perhaps you could call it a mother complex. Oedipal, some of his, like, yeah.
1: but then that's a big theme too, Oedipus and greek tragedies isn't yeah. it in a lot of his films you, yeah. We you could go on forever talking about this this is the problem with making a woody allen film um, uh, conversation isn't it yeah. uh, suddenly we're talking about bergman then we're talking about greek tragedy then we're talking about but but uh, my fair lady <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and um, Pygmalion. I think that's. I think that is a really interesting thing. The dynamic between Eliza and Henry Higgins, uh, the fact that you know he's educate. He's an elocutionist. He's educating her. He's changing the way she speaks. You, uh, treating her as a little doll dressing. And mm-hmm. and what goes from being a very light parlour comedy, you know, a Victorian wager. Ah, oh, I'll bet you I can pass off this um uh, this flower girl as a as a lady. Turns into something very dark also the moral the moral implications you know that you realize you know what what does it mean like um for kind of a, a woman like Eliza to sort, sort of um gain all this education one could say and uh, all these things like etiquette but but not have the means to support herself or, or not have um, um or not have the same weight you know the same um uh, privileges in society that someone like Higgins would would have you know who who takes all this stuff for granted and uh, uh, and it, it 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 becomes strange because it, you know, she she wants uh, Henry Higgins's respect. She's kind of all, but it it it's a compli- it's a complicated thing with My Fair Lady. And I was spending all day today trying to figure out kind of what the gender politics of it could really be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, and and there are people who have criticised Woody Allen Woody Allen and his writing of women, and have said that he has a Pygmalion complex. Mm-hmm. And um uh, and that kind of the the in all these films he's this sort of creepy pederastic man who like lures in women and makes them so smart and and um and better off and so um uh, and they fall so in love with him and then but then he always kind of um, masochistically ruins the whole thing and kind of they have to mm-hmm. move on with them li- yeah move on with their life but they've benefited so much from um from uh, Woody Allen and as part part I mean what. I certainly resist this uh, interpretation on a on a gut level, um, but I, I I'm not sure why because I, I think that there is a kind of moral dubiousness in a lot of Woody Allen films where you see kind of the the balance of power and sort of stuff. But I think that there's no kind of uh, only the more you go on with films, the more the more um, um sophisticated the right his writing of women becomes, the more kind of um. Mm-hmm fully three-dimensional his writing of women becomes um so much so that they make a lot of other films like crap by comparison their roles for women and, and what have you i mean uh, even if it represents a very narrow um uh, portion of kind of society kind of you know women upper class women or what have you or like you know um yuppies as you call them um i, I think you know it, it there's still a very complex thing going on with gender and these things which i think does come out of Pygmalion but it's not not in a kind of the the way we we, we tend to think about it yeah uh,
0: well, you think? well when i think of the play um the reason why i, I thought the comparison was good um uh, on, on your part uh is is probably because of what i'm about to like flesh out here so like yeah. with uh you know with with the with the play itself um i i think one of the main reasons why it works so well and what makes it a, a great play isn't the fact that So, like this version of Pygmalion is one where uh, Higgins, he's searching for someone uh, essentially like a woman that he can respect, right? Just like you know, just like uh, in uh, Pygmalion, in Ovid's poem, is looking for a woman that he could finally respect, and he has to find it in a woman that doesn't exist, right? Because. Uh, for lots of men and their kinds of like, you know, moralizing and, you know, sexual moralizing about women's lives. There is no woman that would work for them. Right. Um, So uh, there's that part of it. But for Mr. Higgins, he is seeking someone that he could respect. The irony is he needs to do it under the context of this, like, You know, this veneer of like uh, uh, someone that appears ladylike, right? Someone that can speak well, someone that sounds a certain way, someone that dresses a certain way, someone that looks a certain way. Um, But if you actually, you know, read the play from beginning to end, or better yet, uh, uh, upon second reading. You see that um, Elijah mm. Doolittle has these qualities pretty much from the beginning. Mm. She doesn't have the superficial qualities of, you know, she mm. obviously doesn't have money. She mm. obviously doesn't have an upper class dialect, mm. but she has all the personality traits that he, as a man, is kind of seeking. And he yeah. doesn't really recognize that until he puts it's her through this transformation. Yeah. And yeah. after this transformation, she is now in a position uh to finally reject him right
1: yeah but that, that's that's the, diff- the strange thing isn't it she but he makes her into a version of himself and then uh, but then the, the weird thing is kind of she says i could go on and i could become the female version of you mm-hmm. i could teach elocution to people you get the sense you could almost pick up with eliza doolittle um Stepping into Henry Higgins' role and taking an urchin off the street, but there's even then that ending is kind of slightly problematized because you sense a conflict within Eliza where she's like, "Is that really what I want to do? Do I really want to become Henry yeah. Higgins?" And he says, "You'll be back. You, you know, like I maybe you could do that. And, like that's 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 certainly something that I would respect. But I, you you will be back. You'll come back to me. Sort of mm-hmm. a bit like the ending of um, Manhattan, isn't it? Where kind of he like." Lingers as she's getting into the elevator is it and kind of uh she, he asks, will you will you be back what are you coming back and um, he, um i think um uh who was it i think it was um dan schneider's essay where he's talking about did he write an essay about manhattan where he talks about this moment where kind of he really she should escape she shouldn't come back she shouldn't
0: um, um, I, I'm, I'm not sure if he actually did an essay on manhattan i remember uh, I, reading
1: someone like um uh this is how disorganized my mind is."
0: <laughs> yeah right. uh I, I, well i did write an essay where i was arguing uh yeah so he has something on uh woody allen's uh like woody's women but basically mm-hmm. um in, in the essay that i did on manhattan I, i'm basically yeah. ar- arguing that you know uh, near the end uh it's maybe oh, it's from, from uh, you i read,
1: yeah Maybe
0: it could be some sort of like fatherly relationship that he has with the Mariel Hemingway character. Mm. But it's very obvious to me that even if she's kind of like pining for him in that moment a bit, I mean, she's about to go abroad and she's about to like fuck like young guys that are actually hot. Right, well, that's what and, he's afraid and, of, isn't he? Yeah, yeah and, and you know, most likely she is not going to stay with this guy. Like, that's just you know, mm. I, I think that's the most realistic way to view it. Because uh, I mean, he's 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 powerful. It's true. He's he's yeah. rich. It's true. He has like I guess like some level of wisdom, but at the same mm. time, she's an upper crust girl. She's yeah. very young, so she has qualities that of, many other men of are seeking. Films
1: does- in a lot of his films, there are these like teachers or scholars who like sleep with their young students, aren't them? That's that's yeah. that's a power dynamic that he returns to again and again. The um, yeah. uh, middle-aged, um, uh, t- tenured kind of professor sleeping with the adoring kind of doe-eyed student. That's in *Husbands and Wives* too, I think. Mm. And um, uh, in other films, like you talked about, the temptation to sleep with students, and like mm. he talks about the, that worshipful kind of like relationship. Yeah. And knowing, I, I, and, and knowing that it's kind of, there's, there's something unethical about it or there's some, or at least, or at least that kind of, that there's some, you're, you're taking advantage of someone's um, adolescent naivety.
0: I mean, if we stretch out the Pygmalion uh, frame as much as we can here, and like look at yeah. Manhattan for a second. Um, so he, he is someone like, like uh, Higgins in the, in the sense that they're both like very flawed characters. Right. Um yeah. I'm not so sure that many viewers necessarily get the fact. That he's a flawed character, which allows them that to Woody re- Allen's
1: flawed, char- flawed character. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. I, 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 think many people view the movie and they're like, "Wow, this is like an example of love persevering," you know, amidst such romantic, beautiful romantic imagery, right? I think a lot of people, in fact, interpret the film that way. Um, Do you think what
1: about people in the opposite direction, though? People who, because you know, recently I did, I re- did rewatch a lot of um, a lot of um, Woody Allen films, kind of uh, over the past. Couple of months with my um, uh, partner, and he, every film my, my partner got. God, he's so unlikable. I really don't like this guy. And what, what's he doing? What's he thinking? What's he trying? Like, what what do you think about that sort of thing too? Because I think it's like like um uh, it, it, it's it's troubling to not see the flaws in those characters. Yeah. But what about people of, of the opposite persuasion? You just only see him as this you know top to bottom loathsome character and can't understand why he gets away with what he gets away with or how people can think he's, you know, one thing.
0: Um, Well, uh, to the extent that these like Woody Allen stand-in characters are unlikable, I think many of them are, uh, many of them aren't. We're going to talk about Stardust Memories in a bit. And Sandy Bates, you know, he's probably the closest approximation to Woody Allen himself uh, compared to any, you know, Woody Allen character. And if that's in fact the case, well, Sandy Bates is qualitatively just a very, very different creation and person um uh and you know he's someone that's disciplined he's someone that is wise he's constantly saying worthwhile things in in that film uh he's constantly you know imparting wisdom to others he's Mm -hmm. constantly skewering things that deserve to be skewered and even if sandy bates is clearly flawed um he makes up for it in in, uh, many other many other ways um, what,
1: you know, when you look that at that, could be scene, said for a, that could be said for a lot of um, those films, though. It's surely like so. Like, I'm a, so I'm not even disagreeing with you, but like, say just for just for instance, like in a film like Manhattan, right mm-hmm. before he goes off and pursues um, um uh, that the young ingenue, um he he's like reclining in his um penthouse and what have you, and he's musing about the reasons to keep living, you know, like mm-hmm. um, the reasons to keep on going, and he starts going, well, oh, the music of Bach and the, mm-hmm. and um, uh, uh, who else does he say? Um, Satchmo or something like that, or, and then mm-hmm. uh, Cezanne, and like I, you know, it's I find that like a genuinely quite moving moment where mm-hmm. kind of, like you know the reason to go on living is because there's so, all these you know great things you know like in um, uh, it reminded me of like uh, that quote from I think I said this to you in an email too like Emile Sharan, who often said um, uh, all, all, you know um, uh, it, it would all be worth it everything kind of um, uh, any horrible thing that happened in history it's, it's almost worth it just for the music of bark. You know, the whole universe was almost brought together for something like Bach to happen, and kind of, and it's it's weird to have a moment like that that's so profound, and then to have him kind of just go running after his, you know, a, um, uh, you know. The, the the ingenue girl and kind of like oh no don't go off to Europe and kind of like uh take drugs mm-hmm. and fuck other guys and like a, like a expand expand your worldview I think stay a lot a me. lot of
0: artists are like that though you know what I mean a, a lot of artists yeah. would would put themselves in, in these kinds of um uh, situations uh for the Woody Allen type specifically uh his his chief advantage right like you know he like witty allen has so many well-written flirtation scenes like with, mm. with rain for example and husband husbands and wives you know it's just like a even if it's like between a very old man and this like 19 year old girl and it looks kind mm. of disgusting it's still you know brilli- brilliantly written scenes um and you know so uh the, the reason, though, why he's capable of that, you could just imagine like Woody Allen growing up like, you know, as a real life Woody Allen uh, in his like Brooklyn setting. Now, suddenly, he's you know, like 18 19, he's in the upper crust, he's getting paid to do comedy. He suddenly finds himself in the situation where he needs to start reading books, and f- for the first time, he starts yeah, yeah. reading
1: books. This, this, um, is very, this is very interesting to me. As I was reading something recently where it was talking about you know, the, this Pygmalion thing the fact that women in Woody Allen films fall in love with artists and with mm-hmm. uh, educated, um, um, um bourgeois people and they become educated and better people for it and they start you know quoting uh arts magazines and going to Mm. museums and blah 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 but 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 still have to
0: part ways because Mm. what what he offers even if he offers something of value to them like i think this comes out uh, best in annie hall where you know Mm. Uh, Annie Hall, like uh she may be in many ways like immature. I think at some point she's like, you know, snorting coke or whatever, uh, doing yeah, this yeah. kind of uh, this kind of party life. But essentially, of the two of them, uh not just intellectually, like perhaps intellectually, she never actually matures to the extent that Woody Allen is, you know, Woody right. Allen's character uh is, is intellectually mature, but she's able to outpace him emotionally, right? Um, she's yeah. able to become a, a, a like a better person uh irrespective of you know uh, intellectual qualities
1: and just like that i was reading an interview with woody allen where he was saying that when he first started dating like um uh, women like they were all much more educated than he was yeah and they'd be saying like have you seen the the newest uh yeah opera which is whatever, why he started read...
0: getting into the arts it was yeah. literally because of oh, that have, reason. yeah
1: have you read this book by Shekhov? and he'd like, haven't he would hire private t- i think that there is an interesting thing you see in the- so it's almost like you know um he understands the role better for, for it, of kind of like, you know, the insecurity, like a the Eliza Doolittle thing. And there's mm-hmm. the sense where in, in films, you see people passing off received wisdom and etiquette kind of with a kind of, um, uh, a worldliness kind of like, Oh, this thing, it's that, you know, when they're talking about architecture or art kind of people can, someone says something clever and everyone nods their heads and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm uh, or I'm, um, I think that there's it's there's a bit from hannah and her sisters too i think where yeah. two of them um, uh the the female characters go with an architect around the city as he points our architecture out to them and they compete for his affection and they flirt with him as, as he tries to like give them architectural jargon and they kind of like try and repeat back what they remembered in uh, college to him and i think it's it's brilliant it's like mm-hmm. it's such a subtle way of observing how people um, um engage with one another but or, or the way in which you know people don't have the same educational backgrounds in real life people when, when people interact you know the, the, there is always a sort of kind of weird rhetorical snap going on where people kind of nod and look blankly at one another and sort of um, uh, i think he really gets the, the small talk and the the dialogical parts mm-hmm. of the stuff that stuff like dialogue so well yeah. because he gets that thing kind of be, being in that position where someone like, um, uh, like uh, well, I think he said himself, someone would ask him if he read a, a novel and he'd go, I read comic books, you know, and I'm uh, feeling like uh, embarrassed and out of his league.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, like th- the reason why this is so much closer to uh, Shaw's Pygmalion than Ovid's is, yeah. you know, with Ovid, you just have uh, a guy that falls in love with his own creation. Mm-hmm. With um uh, Bernard Shaw, uh, his his uh, Higgins is, is basically someone who, you know, he does try to construct someone that he could, you know, subliminally love, right? I feel like that's a definite subconscious drive throughout the text. But mm-hmm. in the midst of doing this, he ends up creating, right, someone that 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 is, in a sense, co-creating herself, right? Elijah is, mm-hmm. from the beginning, a, a strong character. She's someone <laughs> that has depth to her. She's someone that has boundaries and some level of, like, self-respect. Which and- is what
1: makes it such a good melodrama. Uh, yeah. because of, because of that that real emotionality that you feel in, in scenes coming from the characters and not just from um not just from, from a whole perspective they've had an mm-hmm. upbringing they've had a whole progression as a person which is why the Pygmalion story is so interesting because it's an it's a it's a sort of interstitial mo- it's a moment of someone's development where they move from one thing to another and it's awkward and it comes with all sorts of terrifying implications you know, and and the, the, the other rela- side of it though. And it's formed through the social relationships one makes, you know, uh, through these, these, these men, through these, um, uh, you know, this weird, sorry, go on.
0: Well, uh, I mean, like the other side of this though, is that like, um, in, in the act of this like co-creation, both of them are, you know, in the midst of uh, essentially mm-hmm. creating each other. Higgins, yeah. when he's done, you know, with Elijah in a sense, uh, her personality traits start to like reflect poorly on him, right? He has to now face with his own kind of shortcomings. And you see a yeah. lot, the reason why the Pigmalion connection works with Woody is you see a lot of the same thing happening in uh, the Woody Allen characters again and again, where if he does offer something of value, right? So a woman that he's dating, um, if she ends up leaving him, uh, uh, this is usually a process of he has to deal right, with his own issues, right? He has to bring them to the fore. They are brought to the fore in the process of this co-creation. Annie Hall, uh, again, in in many respects, is just a a more mature person than Woody by the end of the film. So you wonder what exactly did he give to her? Was this going to, you know, come about, uh, you know, of its own accord eventually anyway or what? Um, And you see, you you know, more and less of this kind of dynamic uh, in the other films as well. Um, but you know, like off, like an Albie singer from Annie Hall, like he's especially interesting to me because so many, like, especially like young guys that watch that film, like, you know, teenagers or early twenties, they see themselves so much in Albie singer, which to me is just kind of crazy. It's like, is this really who you want to see yourself as like, it's almost as if like this is an aspirational character right? And these are like like historically, historically like the, the, the kids that I knew growing up that were like really into like Annie Hall and, and Albie Singer and saw themselves in that film. They were the kids in high school and early college. that were constantly like, you know uh in fucked up relationships or like fucking things up in other ways right and, and, and like that's the thing like that, that was the irony right they get so attached to this character not realizing that woody allen is kind of skewering him in the same way that they're unable to skewer themselves right and you know eventually if they have their own kind of pygmalion situation where they get involved uh you know with a uh, with a woman that ends up you know in some senses being well, better than than they are that's well, when, when they can get finally this,
1: She's is like the, the biggest part of the sort of contemporary critique I've seen of Woody Allen. I mean, the thing about Woody Allen is he's definitely not a fashionable filmmaker now. Yeah. And yeah. Been in and out of fashion Especially last, now. <laughs> has been in and out of fashion for the last, you know, I don't I don't know, 15 years, really, kind yeah. of like a um. And I mean, he's not the sort of filmmaker that you know, if you mention at parties, you know, I really like Woody Allen. You're going to sound cool and deep, yeah. you know, like people are going to think, man, what a fucking loser. <laughs> like, yeah. but, but the thing is that, you know, and the reason kind of that I thought, you know, it was, it was worth talking to you about Woody Allen was that I, I think he is underestimated in terms of, you know, in terms of like all the new wave American directors who were coming up at the same time. Um, I don't know whether it's because of his comic past. I don't think it is um uh or, or just the, the sort of the scandals that people tend to always bring up now but but it, it does seem the case that he's seen as a kind of uh, a problem a sort of or, mm. or a problematic good but maybe you know uh, a sort of uh, a bit uh off color whereas someone like scorsese or someone like uh, god even tarantino are seen as bona fide di- uh, directors mm. and sort of artists i mean at mm. least now nowadays and uh, I, I think that that is a tricky one to sort of deal with. When kind of he, he is just seen as kind of um, he is seen, I think, as as a sexist and and yeah. Uh, yeah, all this other stuff. And people always bring up this thing about his films of uh, the, the stereotype now, uh, although people used to use it much more kind of uh, seven eight years ago. Manic pixie dream girl, mm-hmm. that kind of like you have all these um, you know uh, quite chauvinistic you know um uh th- this is basically a sort of a male fantasy you know it's, it's the bluntest way i could put it that kind of this is this is all very indulgent kind of um uh, mm-hmm. Uh, self-centered kind of uh, airing out of his his neuroses about women or whatever, and kind of he he, he returns to it again and again and again. But like, and but like
0: they're they're better than he is though in so many of these films. Like I feel like that's like that has to be wrestled with in some way. Those characters, kind of are, girls, yeah, yeah, they're they're better people. Oftentimes, not always. They're more mature. Oftentimes, not always. um And to the extent that he has like completely broken characters like like Dory, uh, they reflect his own issues and but uh you know like uh like so so when we say like that he's out of fashion i think one of the reasons why he would be out of fashion is he does deal with a certain kind of um male sexuality right They're and macho
1: even even if he is a kind of you know short kind of um uh, yeah yeah guy, yeah they are quite macho films they just play quite the you know macho mm-hmm. characters man like yeah. all that sort of stuff
0: yeah, you think, and, uh, I think, you think uh, that's yeah.
1: threatening, you know, in a way to kind of current sensibilities, kind of. Like, yeah, yeah, see, yeah, like, th- 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 this getting getting yeah. This is like, what I'm getting at. Yeah, this is what I'm
0: getting at. Yeah. So, so, so it's basically it's like you know, um, I so so first of all, like in contemporary society, like male sexuality. And like the depth of male sexuality and the, and the whole idea that males could like sit around and think about their sexualities and think about their yeah. sex lives and sort of, you know, meditate on their, it could be pathologies, it could be neuroses, it could be, yeah. you know, healthy relationships. Like that's considered taboo. You as mm-hmm. a man should not have any depth of sexuality, right? Only the women are allowed to have depth, like they're turning, you know, uh, women, once again into noble savages right and they have this like mysterious sexuality and we ought to celebrate and we ought to talk about it but, but even, Me- even
1: something like starless memories is point is pointed yeah. to with charlotte yeah. rampling's role as kind of like yeah. she's the crazy unattainable yeah you know, she's like yeah. medea or something like that Do you know what i mean and you yeah. kind of well, well, well yeah but that's kind of the point but mm. it's it, it you know it's it's it, it, it does seem kind of it certainly seems opposed to a kind of to the kind of political correctness we see now yeah. and definitely we do see a lot of um politics i think informing the way that critical consensus is, is built kind of um uh at least on these aggregated websites and what mm. have you and sort of, uh, all, all that kind of thing and it could just be that instead of cribbing one another all the time these critics generally just tend to have the same cliched thoughts about yeah. films and just follow the what's in the air at the moment like oh i have a, this guy seems to be swinging his dick a bit kind of like mm. he seems to kind of like being in the, on the camera he likes kind of like making putting himself at the center of the stories with kind of like making his um uh, you know making them about him getting with these beautiful actresses mm. who always Crazy. Like it feels like he's, it must be his fantasy, right? I mean, yeah. it's, uh, you know, well, this it, it, a, it, 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 but it's, but it's also
0: real though. Like it's, it's also real in the sense that, like, you know, when, when Woody Allen was growing up, like in Brooklyn or whatever, like he, re, he recognized that the way into getting these, like, you know, supermodels or whatever, or actresses that he's interested in, it, it you know, it's not going to come through his like great fucking looks, right? It's not going to come from his like overwhelming height right? Uh, me, me being 5'8 myself, right? Um, I'm always kind of like shocked at seeing like various subreddits and, and, and things where men are like really obsessed with their own heights. And it's yeah. actually galling to lots of people and to women especially that you could have a guy like Woody Allen, who the only thing that he has going for him is he has tons and tons of like verbal ability, let's say, right? Right. Um, and he has like, uh, like, and also, you know, he happens to be like rich and talented, right? Uh, which is yeah. like a- another kind of equalizer, right? But he's not, you know, great looking. He looks, you know, uh, dorky and dopey and he looks like a nerd. He's short. Uh, he is actually surprisingly though, like very athletic. That's one of the things that people don't know about him. But um, anyway, th- that's like very galling, right? The not, musician.
1: Not- Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, n- not, not only, and also, just like, you know, he was like a huge like handball player. Like, he was actually truly athletic and strong, although he doesn't look like it. Basketball player, right? It's, it's stuff that you don't expect. But you know, gone yeah, it It's yeah. gone because, like, on the one hand, men aren't supposed to have a deep sexuality, especially one that they publicly discuss. Right? That's considered taboo. And then on the other hand,
1: but like just like um, an affluent, an affluent white male upper middle you know bourgeois sex, that's the mm-hmm. thing you know if he was, was like if he was like a gay guy or something like that like and and that's just the thing with, with something like Pygmalion uh I was watching um a film of of a, of a version of Pygmalion recently with um Peter O'Toole and I was watching it with um uh my partner and we were just like and there was there was a moment where um, uh, Colonel. Pic- that's, Rick, that's a 1963 1960- film I think it was made by on um, for like Canadian television or something like this it, it's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's 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 a it, it's a shaky film because Eliza Doolittle's Cockney accent is fucking terrible. Mm. But, um, uh, Peter O'Toole is great. But, but I was watching it and Colonel Pickering mentioned something that he was mentioned very offhandedly that he had been living with um, um, uh, uh, Henry Higgins for like the best part of a year now. Mm-hmm. and like i just i just turned to like a Nick and said that's a bit odd isn't it yeah <laughs> And like i'm a, and the fact and they go like hang on a bit he's called women lumps of wood he's never had a, a proper sort of relationship or like he's never had one that's lasted He, he um, uh, like like he, in a way he is either you can read him as an asexual character or as some sort of repressed victorian homosexual or something like mm-hmm. that but but yeah. just but just that kind of you know we can it's it's a bit different, sort of his sort of reptilian kind of quite cold or, or um, acerbic character compared to someone like Woody Allen, who's like more kind of like wisecracking, more mm-hmm. kind of like loud, kind of like mm-hmm. a sort of a loud kind of guy who would kind of like a sort of you know somebody who could be the life of a dinner party maybe mm-hmm. or. or or be
0: just like absolutely ruined it in a party well let's bring some of these like problems and let's bring feminism into like let's bring all that into the fore. like like maybe we could systematically go through some of these films we said we were going to discuss uh with in some depth uh uh, like husbands and wives uh stardust memories midnight in paris and uh what was the last one that we were going to do um another woman um so I, I mean like you so, so uh, you, you, i think uh, you said that husbands and wives is maybe your favorite witty film it's definitely one of my favorites and i think it's one of his yeah,
1: best it, intellectually starless memories it's, it's probably it's got to be up there it's a really great one yeah. but like i'm a, a, a husband we're talking about husbands and wives aren't we yeah husbands, yeah, yeah. husbands and wives was just such a visceral film. Mm-hmm. And like afterwards, I was just like, wow. You know, I didn't even know he had it in him to make a film like that. And it's 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 just really, really good. And um, uh, I, I don't know, like, where, like, where, where do you wanna get started off talking about this film? Um, like,
0: I mean, uh, maybe you could start like with the, with the opening scene, right? So you have um, yeah. M- Mia Farrow, uh, Mia Farrow's character is uh, Judy. And Gabe is uh, the Woody Allen character. So uh, they're in their apartment and they're being visited by their uh, friends, Sally and uh, what's, what's the guy's name? Um, yeah. It's Sally and Jack, right? And mm-hmm. so Jack and Sally are, are uh, uh, they, they just like show up and they're like, guess what guys, we're, we're about to get a divorce. This creates yeah. this like total meltdown right where uh well first of all uh gabe the woody allen character he's just you know he's shocked by this but he's like you know he's he's waiting to listen to them speak he's understanding what they're saying amused, amused yeah. by it yeah. as well yeah yeah or at least you know he's trying to understand in some way whereas uh, uh judy she completely you know she just completely breaks down she takes it personally and- Not not only does she take it personally, but one thing I I didn't recognize before, like, I mean, I've watched the the film many times at this point, but uh, like, so she, she's a very like toxic and very kind of i'm not sure if i'd call her an evil character but she's a very bad person throughout the film right um and she she's very manipulative she you know the idea is that she's passive aggressive her ex-husband says and she always gets what think, she wants that's
1: that's that's a way into a character that we're given yeah. like i think there definitely there is a on certain viewings i've kind of gone kind of like wow mm. what is her fucking deal what does she want and like yeah she is kind of like but i don't know actually i think you know she she does make she you does could, make you correct could argue, critiques. you could argue that she she might be kind of she might have cleaner hands than most of the characters but I think there is a, a rationale for like yeah saying that she's she is a passive aggressive manipulative person who wants to play the victim but is actually you know kind of kind of quite a toxic um presence
0: yeah and, and I mean in that opening scene like um I think it's kind of telling how from the very beginning she turns this outside event, right? This is a thing that happens to her friends. They are the ones who are going through this breakup. And she turns that entire experience into something that's all about herself. All the attention you start noticing near the end of the scene, it drifts, not from what these characters are saying about their uh, marriage breaking apart. It drifts to Judy and her responses. It drifts to people in that room trying to make her feel better. Right, and this is like a yeah, a, yeah. A, a little. Although, of like go, a although again, like I'm
1: not to play devil's advocate, but it, it, the, the the divorce does tend to uh, to be much more. I mean, they they are trying to play it coolly that they're mm-hmm. getting you know, oh, we're, we're taking a break, but it is actually much more damaging to kind of like yeah, them of course and yeah. around them. Then they let on, so maybe she she has a right to kind of feel a bit. Um, uh, but again, I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm a, mm-hmm. the, there's there's an ambiguity with all of the actions of the people in here. You know, you can look at the the guy who start. Some um, uh, dating the um uh, the young buff hard body girl um uh, who believes in astrology and Sam like, yeah yeah that's fucked up man All yeah that, that yeah. whole thing is fucked up I watched I watched it one night with my my um, uh, partner and he was watching it through his fingers. Like that whole thing, like, uh, just it just like, uh, so...
0: you, you, you mean in, in the scene where you know he has this like final confrontation with Sam and he's like dragging her the, to the whole car. night, the whole night, yeah, yeah, with yeah.
1: Him dragging him yeah. from dragging her from house to house and um, uh, the, everyone yeah. screaming it's, at one it's, another.
0: It's it, 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 it's both very funny and it's also sad at the same time, and it's yeah. also you know kind of scary because he seems on the verge of like literally just like you know breaking her face, right? Um. <laughs> So there's a lot. Woody Allen.
1: Woody Allen's uh, has this Pygmalion thing going on too with the the hmm. young girl. There's another thing that like a and that's really dubious and fucked up as well. And like so, so
0: you mean his student Rain? Rain. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, Rain. is the name of uh, his student. Where where he's
1: kind of he's kind of like um uh, toying with whether to kind of hook up with him and basically subtly flirting. Yeah. The the whole thing there, and it's 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 very grim and kind of Mm -hmm. you well and 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 so kind of like. Everyone is in a kind of a much bleaker situation than they're making out. When they greet each other at the door, going "Hi, mm-hmm. oh, wine! Yeah. What are we going to go see tonight?" This kind of world of um, uh, you know, middle class etiquette and middle class morality. That's a big theme of *Pygmalion*. Um, uh, um Mr. Doolittle says, "Oh, I'm trapped. I'm trapped by middle class morality." Yeah, it's a it's a like, common
0: phrase in that text. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's what happens in um. um in sort of husbands and wives kind of what what's the morality of the middle class you, you kind yeah, of don't, yeah. don't it's in a way to kind of like um the the sort of the uh, i don't know i don't want to get into like hegelianism or anything like that but it's almost like you're supposed to feel okay with anything no no it's not a it's not a, a, a divorce it's a trial separation we're seeing other people you know like i'm a I'm is not that really not,
0: middle class though that strikes me as very very upper class concern you know what i mean like people that have the luxury I to
1: yeah well yeah it does kind of represent that word, but i think it's more and more commonly broadly uh, sort of it, it representative of a kind of attitude a sexual morality as well mm-hmm. you see it more and more like people almost feel ashamed nowadays if they're not um uh, um, you know, like I'm um, uh, like um, uh, if they're not kinky or they're not sexual or they're not kind of you know um, uh, if they turn down the three. So yeah, you know, as Zizek puts it, like you almost don't feel like you can not participate. You feel almost like you know um, uh, I want to be a boring person who reads books and in my middle class world. Why do I have to like spice things up with my um, uh, eyes wide shut other life? You know why can't I be? Um, kind of this thing that we're and like learning to be okay and to be like to settle with that and like the sort of how that's kind of brought along with the theme of compromise as well Mm -hmm. and that you know this whole like are you chasing after a fantasy are you chasing after something you just think you want and there's that phrase as well from pig and i think henry higgins says it if we if we really knew what we wanted would we really even want it like um uh, or Mm -hmm. or, or if we if we knew what we were doing why would we ever fucking do it um uh, it's kind of that thing there kind of like people try and sort of chase after what they think they want or they kind of feel like they have to do that like i'm uh, yeah. oh you're seeing other people now i have to go see other people um uh you're, you're, you know you're moving on with my life i have to do the things that everyone sees i'm moving on with my life even though you know you're not okay and you haven't moved on you know this kind of that weirdness thing there you're kind of like what is you know the the question it, 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 It's it's a double bind in a way like is it "Quote unquote middle class morality." I don't know, and and certainly, w- you know what one would call middle class morality is very different from the world of Pygmalion mm. to the, the way that it's it is in Postman's um, and wives, and even the way it is now. I think that sort of thing shifts, but it's it's interesting and it feels real. And I think it it feels really three dimensional and really like kind of the sort of you know. I mean, I haven't always had <laughs> amazing relationships, so you know, that I haven't always been. Um, unselfish in love and kind of that sort of thing too and it, i think it gets right the the ways in which kind of those dynamics play the way in which people insecurities bounce off of one another in a mm-hmm. social context too in the context of class and the context of kind of yeah, you know, if you're dating someone who's not um you know if you're middle class and you date someone who's not middle class or someone who's much even richer than you like what happens there like um, uh, someone who's older than you someone who, um uh, it's 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 like it's complicated and it involves a lot of masks and a lot of what have you of role-playing okay seeing the right things
0: you mentioned earlier um uh in our notes about like framing so there's like a couple of things i want to mention So like first of all in terms of uh uh, specific, like so, in husbands and wives, uh, it's uh, shot through like mostly like a handheld camera, so it's yeah. very kind of it's very kind of jagged, right? That that opening scene, uh, where the four uh, friends are, you know, with each other, and uh, uh, Jack and Sally announce their divorce. Um, it's kind of like the camera is sort of like getting in behind some of the characters. Uh, it's in nice- every. Yeah, exactly. Everything feels like very kind of, um, you know, uh, immersive and also kind of like jagged, you know, shaky. Uh, and throughout throughout the, the film, um, there's this kind of like, uh, um, it's like a conceit, right, where this is supposed to be like a documentary, right? Um, I'm not sure if you remember uh, that, that portion of, of the film, but the characters are basically uh, being, spoke, interviews. Yeah, being interviewed by somebody that we never see. Yeah. The guy asks like some kind of, you know, barbed questions uh, at times about their personalities, their, you know, sexuality, why they behave Open the way question. they're behaving. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, just, just like, w- what do you think about this uh, faux documentary aspect of it? Because, you um, you know, like like what is the implication that you have like someone that wants to interview essentially these four random people about their relationships cuz to me it's like there's like two levels of irony here uh uh we have uh the fact that like just generally speaking, most people would not be interested in some generic person's sex life, right? You you, you wouldn't have that happen ordinarily. Um, but in this I case, surprised. Well, I, 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 I mean, sometimes, <laughs> but like specifically for the subject of a documentary, that generally doesn't happen unless well, there's I like think, a, well, a reason. Nowadays,
1: for it. especially on British TV, a lot of gimmick um, do- documentaries are like this. Actually, I mean, they, oh, really? they don't tend to be about characters from that kind of um that kind of world of you know yuppie world they're usually yeah. more about kind of um, uh, working people or what, what have you but they, they usually is that sort of conceit of kind of you know real people yeah. real world, whatever or, or let's say genuine. like it,
0: it wouldn't happen in like what is this like 1992 like it probably wouldn't happen in 1992 right but it yeah. happens here and part of the reason why it happens here obviously is these four characters they are you know, and this is where like that conceit starts to turn into like really what the reality is. Uh, th- these four characters they are unique cases because they've been crafted as like subtle, nuanced characters by the director and the writer, who is Woody Allen, right? They've been made into art, and therefore they are you know considered valuable enough to ask questions about, right? Because you know you get this film for only about it's a little over ninety yeah. minutes. But you get a ton of character arcs, you get a ton of changes, and you get tons of psychological revelations, right? This is the reason why you could have this conceit and you could make it work in in this context, even if you are operating under multiple levels of irony there. Um, So that's kind of like the, the frame for the film. And just always keeping in mind this like handheld camera. Portion to it like very oftentimes like you mentioned also in your notes that but no one no
1: one acknowledges the camera outside of the interviews that's the yeah, interesting yeah. thing that it's they're not treated as a so no one like turns and goes why are the film camera kind of like like so it, it's almost as if we go from we kind of waver back and forward b- between that in, in a way and like and but it never takes one by surprise that's the mm-hmm. interesting thing i think the sort of the it, it's it's basically just a really good really eloquent way to get that immersiveness and but that directness as well where where just the characters speak directly to us and then events follow naturally as if it, so it's something happens and then we see it it doesn't feel like a contrivance things just follow on as a sequence mm-hmm. like a mockumentary would but it doesn't it doesn't make parade itself or, or try to uh, uh, you know um to contrive a kind of documentary, Um, thing with like you know where like Blair Witch or something like that Mm -hmm. like uh, or or one of these other mockumentaries um it it, it, the 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 commentary and the interviews as it were sort of bookend certain segments they sort of um divide them up into into sort of different parts of the narrative I think like um um, or, or, or or chapters but but I never, I was never like watching it consciously, kind of like thinking of it as a, as a documentary or even like. uh, It's a light
0: element to it. It's, it's a light element, but I mean, it exists, right. And you always have to sort of ask yourself, well, why, why is it here? What is it doing? Right. And and my answer is the answer that I gave. You also Mm -hmm. mentioned like the the individual framings of characters, right. By by the camera. And I Mm -hmm. think this film especially does this really well, where you get tons of shots where you have two Mm -hmm. characters speaking, but the camera only stays, for example, uh uh, you you mentioned rain earlier like um early on when woody allen i believe he's he's a professor at columbia in the movie uh he has this like 19 or 20 year old uh student named rain and um like early on like when he like confronts her let's call it about about the um story that she wrote and he's saying how good it is right how interesting he found it Uh, The camera does not show his face, right? It just stays on her to sort of show you what her responses are, what she's doing with this information. You get the sense from the very beginning that she sort of did this hoping she would get this kind of response. Like you could tell that she's not only extremely happy getting this response from uh, Gabe but she's also trying to keep it a secret right she's trying to keep some of that flirtation alive and then they decide to go uh, take a walk together and the whole well not the whole time but for much of the time uh, the camera stays on her right and I mean she's uh, I, f- I forget the name of the uh, actress that, that plays her but she's yeah. she's a great actress in, in 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 this film right this um, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's this just gets carried that off that they-
1: very well I th- yeah i think it's interesting this the the, the, the I, his his framing of of people's you know faces but but also of, of there's just the framing and the blocking of actors themselves their their bodies their movements their gestures is really um sophisticated in, mm-hmm. in 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 woody allen's films when he's at his best he, yeah. he knows exactly what details to commit, and so that's often you know um the the sort of subtext of people's body language as well, not kind of I mean the way that people say one thing but maybe convey something entirely else in their in their posture or kind of their their hand movements or even it's some I think he 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 tries to convey this as much as he can in his films even when in Annie Hall like where they're talking and then subtitles for a different conversation play out underneath or 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 people or their inner thoughts anyway, their in internal commentary. And uh, yeah yeah, and uh, you get that as well in Hannah and her sisters where kind of you know. You see events play out and people retrospectively talk over them, going, "Oh God, I I, I was, we, you know, I was trying to act like I was having a nice time, but really that evening was shit." And mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's a really great part of the way that he is able to hone in, zero in on actors' performances and get them to convey convey those subtleties. You know, like uh, like you're talking about
0: do you remember that part in husbands and wives where um rain and Gaber in the taxi cab uh trying to find the novel the that she that yeah. she lost right so he wrote yeah. a novel she lost it and so she's sitting in the car and she's like and at oh, th- yeah
1: thirsty he's like he's uh he's like you lost it you lost it no yeah. don't tell me that. and then then and then he, like, and, mm-hmm. like he's still talking to her like in that sort of gentle kind of like boy mm-hmm. and then he kind of like by the end he's like pulling his hair and kind of i can't believe you've done this
0: and and in the cab they're just like um she starts saying like you know there's something so freudian about this right uh where you know maybe i was threatened by your by your book right you're so and you know she starts actually giving off uh the same kind of critiques that we alluded to earlier right those feminist critiques where you know she's saying stuff to him like you know, th- these, these guys are just walking around, like the way that you're describing women and the way you're describing these relationships, isn't it? So kind yeah. of like retrograde, isn't it, you know, isn't this, isn't it that. And at some point, like, so on the one hand, like uh, the re- the reason why I was, uh, I was calling all all this stuff, like, you know, male sexuality isn't taken seriously. It's so, it's almost stigmatized in a sense, like you see in that scene, the reality of, of that kind of assessment play out because, yeah. As she's criticizes, criticizing him and specifically his novel, right. Which is the thing that he's most concerned about. Yeah. Uh, she's, she seems to be just kind of like fishing for a reaction because at some point when she gets like in the heat of these critiques, he's like, essentially like, like why should I care about what some 20 year old twit is telling Is <laughs> the way that he calls her. And as, as he says that, you see her face and she's kind of like turning away from him so he can't fully see, but we directly see what, what she's uh, doing with her face. And she smiles a lot she when smiles. he calls yeah, her yeah. a 20-year-old twit because she's kind of like looking for this kind of response. She's trying to t- continue turning this into a potential flirtation scene, maybe have some kind of affair with this guy. Um, and, you know, he's someone that's taking his book and his art and his sexuality seriously. She is responding to this, you know, uh, as a, even if she's like a, you know, a too young of a girl to truly understand what's going on. She understands it enough to to get more or less what she wants out of this interaction. And you know, I think that gets very much underplayed. Like, it, it, you know, it's very subtle. Like, all it is is like they're talking, and the camera just stays on her, right? And she's yeah, turning a, away, right? It's one
1: of the best. It's one of the best moments of the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, the the big the big arguments, the big confrontations are always kind of the. The high point of the those melodramas but um i think i think what, what other films are on the list though because we're, we're going to be in danger of
0: dwelling um well let, let, let me just like like return just slightly to judy right so i said judy is like the most toxic character i think she is but that's not to say that she's a, a two-dimensional character she's not in fact uh very like all characters in this film are, are definitely flawed she, needs,
1: she seems emotionally needy. I mean, that seems. I mean,
0: yeah, she she is she is, she is of course she, she's all that. She's you know she's also kind of like an emotional vampire in many ways. But uh, <laughs> many of the critiques that she lobs against Gabe, they are correct. Right when yeah. Gabe says, you know, when people do this, like you know, bullshit, like you know, this like a naive anti-natalist argument, like why would you bring children into this world, blah blah blah. When it's, you know, th- th- that's never a good argument. I think there's plenty of arguments why someone, especially certain kinds of people, shouldn't have kids, but that's rarely a good argument. And when Gabe like brings this up, she's like, oh, that's bullshit, right? You're just hiding behind this like high philosophy, which is absolutely true. And it made me think upon I rewatched it a couple nights ago. Imagine Rain right decides to like not only have a relationship with this guy imagine that she plays like this total like male fantasy not to say this is my male f- fantasy but this is like a generic male fantasy of I'm going to be the pretty young beautiful housewife and I'm going to fucking suck you in any kind of you know combination that you want and I'm just going to stay home You know, read the books that you send me to read, write whenever I can write stories and regale you with my talents, and pop out baby after baby after baby. I get the sense Gabe would have agreed to that arrangement, right? Like a 20-year-old girl, he's already like almost 50. He probably would have said yes, whereas he did not say yes to Judy. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think like a lot of the critiques that she makes of some of the characters in the films, they are spot on. It's also true that the, these critiques are just as applicable to her. Therefore, she is hypocritical in many regards. I mean, she flips out in, in the first scene about uh, the breakup of Jack and Sally because she herself admits later on in, in the movie that, you know, she herself is scared of her own marriage breaking apart, which is why she had that, that kind of hysterical response. Um, so mm-hmm. and, and just just a couple of other things before we move on to the next film. Uh, I, I think it's also really like one of the best scenes in the film is when Rain's parents during like Rain's birthday party, I think that's when she turns 20 or 21, I forget the age that she turns, but you get very briefly like a five ten second interaction between rain's parents they're alone they kiss each other they like i think they toast glasses i think they're drinking champagne that's creepy oh i disagree i think they are the only characters in the film that so clearly love each other and so clearly seem to have a mature relationship the only characters yeah, and you know, get only 10 seconds of that have-
1: I wouldn't let my daughter hang around with uh, Woody Allen. I don't know. And that's, that's not because of the rumors, like, of uh, just like, you know, if you're bringing all these, all guys back home. But, like, but, but, they, all, but they also,
0: but they also love him though. They're like, oh, we love your work. We love that you're, you know, her professor, but you know, like uh, may, maybe you can. We say love they, your uh, work,
1: sleep with our daughter. <laughs> but, but, but,
0: <laughs> maybe in some way, I don't know. Maybe they're not the best parents to I me, mean, who knows. But specifically about the dynamics of their own relationship. Like, I think it's so wonderful. They do they, seem they, happy.
1: They, you they get, seem you, happy. And, and you to
0: but you only get like 10 seconds of that genuine interaction where they just look at each other and they're like, my God, they named, it's their,
1: like they, they name their child after real yeah, You know what? Yeah. Like it's it's like the the, the bourgeois yeah. dream, you know, kind of like um uh, bourgeois but 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 but, but
0: but 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 it's also genuine between them. I mean again it's only 10 seconds, but they look at each other and they're like, God, like it's been 30 years, but they have such a loving look yeah, and they're so, yeah, yeah. And, they're so and, 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 yeah. and nobody nobody else in the film has, everybody else has some sort of ta- toxic kind of dynamic. Uh, I, I think the funniest scene in the movie is uh, when, uh, so like Rain is like standing outside and suddenly the psychiatrist that she ends up like seeing, right uh the, her, her therapist essentially she ends up like sleeping with um and he's like confronting her cuz she he wants to find out why aren't they dating anymore and you see this like old guy just like yelling at her and you're like what the fuck but then the camera after like you know like a half minute of this you don't even see woody then the yeah. camera suddenly pans to woody and you see these two old ass guys like staring at each other and the one thing in common the com the calm denominator is this girl that's like like standing between them that got them in the situation that you know was into one slept with her therapist clearly wants to sleep with this other guy and you know in like in a typical kind of like feminist reading you know they would view this as like oh he's he's you know, he's groom they're grooming this little innocent girl One, the most realistic reading when you see that scene is, wow, she's the only one with any kind of power here and these two look so pathetic. Right, and it's it's very obvious like where Woody mm-hmm. stands there as the artist, like as the over voice in the film, he's crit he's clearly critical of Gabe, and he's critical of the therapist, and he's critical of this girl, despite the fact that he imbues her with all this power, right? Um, yeah. And, and, and like like in terms of like any kind of like straitjacket feminist narrative, I mean, you can't do that. It's clear that she's the only one with power in that scenario. Like, look at these two old guys almost coming to blows over this like, 20 year old twit you know it's just crazy but um anyway
1: wow you're a real misogynist there alex
0: <laughs> yeah I, I definitely have misogynistic tendencies when i talk about uh woody allen's films
1: Well, i don't think she is a twit and i think yeah. you know like i'm, I'm uh i'm just call, she's, i'm just i'm just yeah. messing around with all the men but you yeah. know I, I, yeah I, I think it's um uh, i think that the whole again the whole thing that's interesting about those sort of films that Woody Allen makes is the sort of the moral ambiguity yeah and the fact that kind of like every, everyone's kind of culpable in all of this yeah um uh, because of the hypocrisy that goes on all around but all the kind of um the weird signaling everyone does to be one yeah. another kind of like you know the the, the weirdness of flirtation as well mm. and like the, the again the social dynamics of that but yeah. um what yeah. uh, we should move on to another Woody Allen film then
0: yeah, well, well j- just another thing on Rain. I mean, she's uh, 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 she's definitely probably she's probably my favorite Woody Allen character. Right. Because I mean there there is like she's so got some much great lines. Yeah, she's got great lines. There's so much to her. She probably does have actual depth. It seems like she does have some level of writing talent, some level of like critical acumen. It's always like, you know, wishy washy uh, as to whether or not the artists within these films are actually talented or whether Woody is just making fun of them. I think usually or oftentimes at least he is making fun of them. Uh, but but Rain is, you know. She's in on the one hand, like yes, she is like presented as like a, a naive twenty-year-old, but she's also presented as someone that's powerful, alluring, you know, perhaps even brilliant in some ways. And I think you know, any kind of like, like, like the reason why like I I so push back against feminism is and its attempts to like it so much. They mean like
1: such feminist criticism or feminist
0: criticism, or like a lot of like feminist ideology. Like, there's this kind of overcompensation for years and years of abuse by the hands of men and patriarchal, you know, arrangements to the point that right now. Women and feminists are so willing to paper over actual depth in, in you know various characters, whether it's like you know, Marion and another woman or whether it's Rain in, in this film, they want to paper over all those realities. They want to paper over the power that so many of these women in fact have. Um, And by doing that, you're kind of like, you're taking a lot away from women. And I don't think a lot of people get that. People don't get that whether you take stuff away from women or whether you worship women, both of those actions are, you know, they're, they're getting away from what people are right because you know any kind of deification means that you're not able to treat people with any kind of real human level respect right so anyway um we, we can I mean, move like, on I, to I, these I other mean, films i,
1: I personally I, I personally say that i support feminism insofar as that i think there are problems that are specific to women like you know specific political problems yeah of course yeah have you. like i'm a, and obviously there are all kinds of strains of um a, um pop ideology pop philosophy yeah. pop feminism, pop politics. I mean, really, I'm kind of
0: fun. focusing more, more on that. Right. And a lot of like more kind of like mainstream narratives. Uh, you know, yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. it's not obviously that I'm against like the concept
1: of feminism. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I want I just, women like, you know, to it, it's so easy, especially, on, and, YouTube, especially yeah. on YouTube to just be like um, lumped in with kind of the, the usual kind of anti-feminist rhetoric that goes on. And it's like, uh, that stuff's just as, if not more toxic. And I, I think, you know, that there's many arguments one can make that Woody Allen's filmography is, you know, for the most part, largely Quite feminist, or lends yeah, itself to a sophisticated feminist yes. vernacular. You know, like um, yes. um, in in the sense that women are portrayed as as real, three dimensional people with their, you know. Um, um, normal people with their everyday lives kind of like you know, even if they do come from like in the upper crust or, or they yuppies in these films mm-hmm. kind of like you can't you i think woody out there is a quote from him saying that kind of you can say a lot of things about me but you can't say that i don't know how to write women
0: and yeah so of course when, yeah. women yeah. might
1: not always be angels or you know or, or what have you like in his films but they're, they're still really good characters and that kind of makes them sort of that means you can't have a uh a, a sort of a, a a, a, a shitty kind of like surface level reading of that thing in terms of the gender relationships mm. portrays. like just like I don't, I don't think you could um, uh, say that. You know, obviously, Pygmalion reflects all kinds of attitudes at the time that it was written, which don't you know track very well kind of now. And but, but it, you know, it's I wouldn't call it a sexist play, and I don't, think, I, I don't think, and I, I don't think it's a sexist text, and I don't think the characters in that are sexist stereotypes, even if mm. they. Even if they're playing with certain kind of um, um, things that are taken from like the, the actual like uh, yeah like like Cockney slang like for instance in the fact in England class is very is very well represented in terms of elocution and in terms of kind of how people speak and pronounce mm-hmm. the Queen's English yeah. you know whereas in America it's it's um it's uh it's it, in New York it's maybe something much more subtle like um uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I definitely, but that goes, but that goes for, for gender too, as well mm-hmm. as like you know, accent. You know, it's all that's played out really well.
0: I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, we could move into like another uh, woman, um, nineteen eighty seven film by Woody Allen, starring a uh, Jenna Roland. Um, and yeah, like I, I mean, definitely uh, agreed that he writes very feminist characters right and you know this is the kind of feminism that, that i would you know uh support right to the extent that there's like these feminist critics of woody allen's work a lot of it is exactly that kind of you know idiotic pop feminism that you alluded to i mean a lot of
1: a lot of the curatorial feminism we see now is like representation isn't it it's yeah. kind of like more women artists or just more women in art mm. and it's like in, in the one sense it's a it's a it's a it's a kind of fairly logical approach to what seems like a, some the displacement of women from the arts. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it you know, like, like we have talked about in other videos too, like it's equality of outcome, right? Mm-hmm. More women doesn't mean um uh, uh, more good art. It just means more women, yeah. and like you know, it could mean more bad art too. It could mm-hmm. mean you know, it could, it means all sorts of different things. And 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 the way that that plays into selection processes too. I mean, you talked about the way in which male sexuality is kind of off the table nowadays i think it's more the case that kind of sort of male the idea of sort of male narratives are kind mm-hmm. of seen as a bit kind of the man's side of the story we, we hear we hear these kind of and i don't know how exaggerated these reports are but there are all sorts of um chatter and gossip about how in competitions for you know arts prizes or what have you men are passed over for kind of women artists or more Mm. slightly more exotic artists you know they they come they come from the authentic ghetto you know their story you know this um you know it they're they're treated very much like that kind of like like exotic beautiful interesting people uh, uh, instead of kind of people who have something um creative they want to do and yeah. i think i think on that level that kind of liberal politic of kind of like feminism where it's like just get rid of all the issues and make it just about um uh, just how many women are in the room at one time or yeah like you know, is is very i th- i think totally kind of shit neoliberalism shit mm-hmm. kind of like band-aid capitalism
0: yeah yeah, um, so, yeah. so like so uh, w- w- what do you think of uh, another woman
1: another woman um that's the film isn't it where, um, the, the woman is writing her novel and she starts to hear through the ventilation system, the psychoanalyst next door talking to his patients. It's, it's
0: not a novel. It's some kind of paper, uh, some kind of book, uh, related to philosophy. I don't think it's a novel though.
1: It's, oh, right. Yeah. It's her treatise. Yeah. yeah, she, yeah she's she's a philosopher. She's, she's, she's like, um, yeah, she's some, she's a high achieving philosopher. That's right. Yeah. Um, and she's, she had, she was trained her, her, ex lover was her ph- philosophical teacher was it? Mm-hmm. he was kind of her henry higgins mm-hmm. um even though she's a smart sophisticated woman in her own right from the you know upper middle class or is she she comes from um no yeah, she is she is from a, a quite um, um it, 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 it seems that it's
0: it's somewhat upper class yeah like you see her yeah, like yeah. visiting like in her imagination like the old farmhouse um that kind of thing it seems like her her father her, her father son, yeah yeah her, her father is a is a historian uh who you know he has the same kind of shortcomings as she does like emotionally speaking near the end of the film uh, you, you, uh he he says something like you know I, i've i've achieved some level of renown but i feel like i was not hard enough on myself right in the sense that i did not ask enough of myself emotionally speaking perhaps in terms of relationships um and you yeah. You, you you also get the sense that you know perhaps like some some of these people's concerns like even if like this father historian is is supposed to be very kind of. Uh, um, you know, fixated on what he's able to produce. It's probably not all that worthwhile, to be honest. I mean, at any given time, you have, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, or perhaps even more historians working on all kinds of problems. Not all of it is really going to matter, you know, uh, within a century. So, um, you know, some of the critique seems to be lobbed uh, a little bit in that direction as well. Uh, You mean uh, sort of people writing philosophical treatises? I mean... I mean perhaps like like the, you know p- part of the critique is like she's been too concerned with her work and not with other parts of her life you know that is like a recurring theme well, i, I mean the i don't know
1: i don't know if it's about the vaingloriousness of writing philosophical treatises i mean she, there's a sense in which that. she does yeah. there's a sense in which she does displace maybe other parts of her life with yeah. her work and uh, and that just seemed to be you know the, the, this kind of theme i mean as a film it's interesting i mean there there are kind of uh, woody allen films where you get these sort of anti-natalist sentiments or sort of slightly pessimistic themes but this this stands out in its sort of um as a kind of energetic quality i mean it's about a woman who is essentially ha- having to accept her death uh, may, maybe in a certain sense it's it, it touches upon bergman in that way and sort of connects back to a, a film like interiors um which is a film I'm kind of half. Well, and it's, half it's it's
0: it's it's someone, it's somewhat based on Wild Strawberries directly, like from the beginning, you like know. you have that ticking clock intro, the journey into like you know you're, you're like it's it's very much modeled after Wild Strawberries, except mm-hmm. that the strategies that the two films take are a little different. Like in Wild Strawberries, the, the Bergman film, you have like Isaac, you know, he's he's traveling to get this honorary degree, and he's being told all these things about his life, about his interactions, about his past that You as the audience, like you sort of believe at the beginning, you see his like gruffness a little bit, but as the film goes on, he's clearly not what he's being accused of. He's much more caring and even sentimental and even romantic Uh, at the very end of the film. He has a very kind of healthy, even if it seems in the surface, gruff interaction with his maid, they seem to really like and perhaps even love one another, Um, you know, which is kind of like unexpected given uh, how the film began. Whereas uh, With with uh, Marion, um, I think uh, it's it's the opposite tack, at least in the sense that uh, she's starting out not truly understanding what her shortcomings are and the things that other people say about her. Some of them do seem to be on the money. Some other accusations are allowed against her. You don't truly know whether or not they're uh, true. like she, for example, like runs into her her pr- previous best friend Claire and it's obvious that Claire and her husband, or rather Claire specifically, the husband doesn't really know who this woman is. But Claire doesn't want to like interact with her. She doesn't want to go get a drink. She doesn't want to catch up, but she's kind of like forced into it. And by the end of the night, she's, you know, Claire's accusing Marion of like breaking up some relationship that she had earlier on by flirting subconsciously uh, with uh, some guy that, that Claire was interested in. And given what you get to know about Marion's character Marion's past it's not you know you wouldn't put it past her to do that but you it's also this like poetic tension where you can't say for certainty that this is the way that she behaved right you have to just go on your own instinct based on the evidence that's slowly unfolding before you in the film
1: yeah yeah i I think it's some um like what what do you what i mean what would you say that um uh, her um her shortcomings were in in the film these things that she neglects
0: uh she seems not she seems for example to not really care too much about cultivating a relationship with her brother right this could be you know for different reasons like i'm sure there are some uh illegitimate resentments that her brother Paul has towards Marion in the sense that she was favored. It's not really her fault that she was favored by her father. Right. But then another level, like you do get the sense that she was kind of like ignoring trying to cultivate any sort of relationship when she runs into Paul's wife, they're about to like get, get a divorce. Uh, It's very obvious that she knows absolutely nothing about his wife. She's never tried to get to know her in any kind of way. Um, she, you know, she, she, uh, has wanted, it seems for a very long time to have children. And the reason why she has an abortion early on, uh, in her relationship with that kind of, you know, philosopher, you know, mentor slash guru, whoever he was to her. Um, she, she says that she's worried about the career, but by the time that she turns 50, you know, she more or less admits that she's afraid of the kind of passions and feelings that having a child would stir within her right um and you know like it's it's kind of yeah. it's kind of sad to like live 50 years uh saying that you're not wanting children for all the wrong reasons while in fact secretly harboring the desire and merely you know be, being frightened of uh the emotional consequences which are not really the kind of consequences that you should be thinking about when it comes to kids right um so it's a
1: very it's a very natural thing to fit i mean like i'm a the, 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 what i came away with i mean like um maybe i i have a lot of compassion for for, for these characters in woody Allen yeah film. i mean like yeah especially her i mean um uh the i mean i i i would never have to personally make that choice about you know like i whether to keep a child like of a person i don't know if i'm in love with or not or kind of like what, mm-hmm. what oh, but you know to the imagine those things and see the way they're represented you know it's it 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 obviously she's she's left with the problem the viewer is left with the problem that at the end of her life she is kind of alone and the people who like who should be kind of like close to her or should be like invested they're at a distance and we're left with the problem of kind of how how this can kind of happen kind of how we can get this kind of like what is basically a sort of tragic ending uh when when kind of the decision she made she kind of made of her own kind of free will and kind of for very kind of Rational, humane decisions. She chooses independence. She chooses to um uh, to like uh, have power over herself and not be tied to anybody. But at the end, it means that when she gets in trouble, she's on her own, mm-hmm. and that's what we all have to face. That's the choice that we all have to face in society, with our families, with our loved ones, with the people just we live with. Like um uh, um. um it, 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 it how, how much do you involve yourself kind of in like um how, how much do you participate um you know, in a certain way, when you do love someone, you give up a certain kind of amount of freedom, you know, that mm-hmm. whole kind of romantic idea of love, you like, you fall in love with someone, kind of, you would die without them, they can't kind of be replaceable, kind of like, and it's not always something that's calculable, like, for instance, I mean, in a way, my relationship is kind of like a romantic thing like that, it was love at first sight, and we fell in love, and frightening consequences come with that. Um, uh, you, 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 um, uh, you suddenly, you know, you, you, you lose the right to be selfish in a certain way. You lose the right to kind of, you know, you, you have to suddenly put up these other person's needs in front of other, to inconvenience yourself. You become like a prisoner in love, like a slave to love. Um, uh, and it, and the problem here and the sort of the, the dilemma we're faced with in the film is she chooses independence. She chooses kind of that distance and kind of, she ends up on her own. It's the, it's the difference between, you know, Uh, going into the woods at night with your friends. It's very different from going into the woods at night alone. And and this is, this is what happened. I mean, this is very existential in a way. And I think this Mm -hmm. is why kind of Bergman is the key, is the touchstone here. And it's a touchstone for a lot of um, Woody Allen stuff. I think I read somewhere once someone described him as a mix of Bergman and the Marx brothers, or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, sort of um, um, existentialism and Jewish humor. comedy. That's a neat way of putting it. It's a neat Mm -hmm. formula for what Woody Allen is. But um, uh, there, there, there is that kind of uh, that kind of uh, existential vein where it's like, why is there something instead of nothing? Why are we here? Why do kind of bad, bad things happen? And why is it that when we make all the the when we make our own choices or whatever, bad shit can fucking happen to us? It's quite religious in a way, quite Christian, kind of quite uh, uh, you know like um, um like Job or something like that, quite Bergmanesque in the way that he does his sort of pessimistic. Atheistic religious dramas, mm-hmm. um and you know that's that's the co- I think that's that's what Woody Allen is pulling from with a film like this. Yeah, it's a it's it's, it's a great it's a great it's a great powerful film mm-hmm. of kind of like the emotions that come through. Yeah, and although it is very depressing as a consequence of that, because those emotions are sad and they're they're regretful and they're bleak. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, just, uh, a couple comments on this uh, idea of the aloneness. um This gets extrapolated in the film to like even like you know, not necessarily romantic scenarios where, um, at at some point, like Marion's husband, uh, you know, they're having this, like, uh, I forget exactly what the context was, like what party it was, but they're having a party at his house. Uh, all these like colleagues are there, like all the, you know, it could be doctors or whatever, you know, people at a, um, uh, college, like whatever it might be. And suddenly his ex-wife shows up with like some boxes that she's returning. And she's like, you know, you could say something. I'm not a ghost, right? Mm -hmm. Some of these other people used to be my friends as well, right? And it just kind of struck me like, well, what? why exactly would these former friends of her, like why did they turn their backs uh, on her, right? Because it seems like in the context of their relationship, she was not the one at fault. He was the one that was cheating on her while she was like, I think pregnant or like dealing with cancer or like or something yeah, I forget yeah, yeah. I forget exactly what it was but uh you know th- this idea that um you know people are just so kind of like whimsical and and flimsy and silly where You could have like entire swaths of human beings that were in some way attached to you. They get taken away by some kind of event that's completely out of your control. And Mm -hmm. they do do it in kind of like a completely unthinking, unprincipled manner, right? They're not willing to remain to be friends with her simply because it creates a kind of awkwardness that they don't want to deal with. Um, and so they go to where the power is, where's is the power? Well, now you have this new power couple of this cardiologist, uh, or rather, I think he's a surgeon, actually, he's a heart surgeon and Marion, you know, the high powered philosopher. So they're going to go where, where, where the power is in some way. Um, yeah. and, and the, the second part of this. So like, uh, I, I also think, uh, it's, you know, it's a little bit darker, um, like s- some of the themes in the film are a little bit darker than you know, Marion simply you know made a bunch of rational decisions of her own free will. Well, mm-hmm. you know, technically, of course, like she is making thing making decisions of her own free will. I'm not exactly sure to what degree they are totally rational, and, and I think this is kind of underscored early on um so like when, when you know like some of the conceit in the film is like where she's she's doing this this uh a book um and it's like next door to a, a a psychiatrist's office and so she hears like this patient come in and uh the psychiatrist is talking to this patient and uh uh again and again she enters into like these like dream states where she's kind of like resting and it's almost this like you know hypnagogic kind of you know, situation where she's half dreaming, she's half uh, uh, half awake. And at, at some yeah. point uh, after she runs into Claire, she has this kind of like hypnagogic quasi dream where Claire is actually the one arguing with Marion's husband. And Claire is clearly the stand-in for Marion. And I thought it was such a brilliant move on Woody's part that early in the film to accentuate how... Repressed, she how repressed Marion is. You don't even show to the audience the arguments that she must be having with her husband. Instead, Claire is the one that is forced to be in Marion's shoes arguing with marion's husband to accentuate you know how repressed marion herself is like we can't even see these arguments and sure enough like the first time we see a true argument between the two uh it's this framing of 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 the characters where they're walking down this very long dark hallway as if making to the end of it would mean that they have you know entered into some kind of abyss right some point of no return where from that point forward their marriage is going to start to break down Right. So, I mean, there's, there's a ton of like psychological depth there that just tells me there's a lot more going on with Marion that is, you know, there's a series of non-rational actions and, and thoughts that she kind of didn't even have necessarily all that, you know, perfect control over. And as the psychiatrist says, and this is, you know, this is also, this is her own mind telling her this, that, you know, She's not the type to commit suicide in the traditional sense. Instead, no. she's been slowly committing suicide from the very beginning since childhood. You know, there, there, there's something deeper going on that she only starts to slightly work herself uh, through um, yeah, by the end so of the film. Towards the
1: end, yeah, it just seems like she's like I'm uh, trying to sort of repair yeah. relationships with people. It's um, um yeah, it's a very it's a very um unique um, film, and it's it's a uh, mainly told through. well it's, it's, plot it's
0: inspirational by the it's aspirational inspirational by the end right it's not bleak by the end I don't think but no that's'
1: that's yeah that's what we're, the, the buildup
0: is about. definitely bleak
1: yeah yeah the, yeah the, um, the the way the film progresses is, is is depressing but it's it has a sort of optimistic ending
0: um yeah, yeah so I, I watch Stardust memories again um maybe like my uh, fifth or sixth time watching it uh, what was like last night. And, mm-hmm. um, just before that I rewatched eight and a half and yes, the uh, eight and a half and, and Stardust Memories are, uh, different lengths. Eight and a half is 45 minutes longer, but even with that uh, additional length, I don't think, I, I, I it, it's hard to like, you know, um, it's, it, it's hard to overstate how, quickly stardust memory moves, right? It's so clever. There's so many images. There's so many things that you could point out, pick apart. Um, it's a lot harder to do that with eight and a half. Right. And, uh, it's, uh, it's especially a problem given the fact that it's like 45 minutes longer, mm-hmm. right? There's a f- like it, it has many of the same features, right? Clearly stardust memories is very much based on uh, some of the structures and conceits of eight and a half. But, uh, given the fact that there, you know there is just like a little less to talk about, and so many of the individual scenes in eight and a half you know it's it's a it's definitely more of a slog uh to get through in some ways. Um, but, uh, I, I, surprisingly, like I seem to enjoy it, uh, eight and a half, uh, more and more, uh, th- the more times that I watch it, this is my third time seeing it first time. It was just when I was first discovering film second time I watched it in preparation for my Woody Allen book when I was doing my starters memories review. And then okay. third time was in preparation for this conversation. Um, and I mean, there, there's definitely, uh, you get more on individual viewings, which, when it comes to the great art, that, that's just kind of like, it's supposed to happen that way, right? You're supposed to yeah. uh, see things unfold more and more because by definition, great art is supposed to have complexity. It's supposed to have multiple layers. It's supposed to have depth, right? So mm-hmm. you're supposed to uh, unpeel it little by little in that way. But I, yeah. I, I think I think you agree with me and with Dan that uh, Stardust Memories is a superior film in
1: most respects. Yeah, and, and it's and it's, I was saying to you how kind of, odd that is but in, in a way how, how telling that is as well that the, the film is a kind of a pastiche of um eight and a half and um that it's a pastiche of the kind of a uh, italian new wave cinema and yet it's filled with all the same kind of qualities one would find in a in a really good italian new wave film like eight and a half so it, it, it's the kind of the level at which kind of pastiche can actually take up and then surpass some of the 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 aspects of the the, the things that they they 're trying to they 're trying to imitate they 're trying to parody i mean um, <clears throat> a really crude kind of example is kind of like um i don 't know Benny Hill or something or maybe even a more contemporary example some like weird Al Yankovic right who would do like these um, mm. songs which were like uh, parodies of popular sort of uh, charting. Uh, singles but and, and they would be but but they would be more or less the same kind of song they would have the more or less the same kind of basic structure they'd have the same kind of qualities that you find in the song but mm-hmm. they would just be a, and so some, sometimes actually some of them would would actually be you know just as listenable sometimes more listenable than the and and no less inane for like in the subject matter you know some of the songs would have a kind of ironic distance most of the time or, or there'd be some disjunctive thing where it'd be like you know making like Amish paradise you know like a gangster song about Amish people there's a kind mm-hmm. of a, um, a thing there but but so there's not, but there's not, there's not always that genre deconstruction. It sometimes it's just the fact that kind of like picking up a style or a or a sheen, and then kind of using that to then go beyond the thing. While on the surface, in a way, kind of mocking or aping. Benny Hill would do this too. You know, he would he would do like these um, songs which are like parodies of kind of uh, traditional Greek folk music songs, but they'd be more or less a pretty good you know, pretty uh, listenable example, like Greek uh, folk song. Like he's got a song called um, I'm a Pretty Greek Girl uh, or, or someone like um, uh, rambling uh, Sid Rumpo from the English musical scenes who would do these innuendo filled uh, sort of um, musical folk ballads um, uh, with all kinds of a sort of homosexual Panari double entendre. But they'd be mm. actually pretty good examples of folk songs. So that Neville in which comedy and pastiche can actually be used to do some pretty interesting or subversive things in the, like in the, so, so this it's a kind of a film that parodies um, new wave cinema, but it's actually a really good, if not one of the best examples of a kind of great new wave film. Yeah. And, like, um, uh, and, and does a better job at the kind of eight and a half uh, maestro sort of um, uh, maestro story, kind of uh, better than that film does.
0: So, yeah. So, so b- both of these films, eight and a half, uh, the director there is, uh, Guido in Stardust Memories, it's Sandy Bates. Um, mm. and so, you know, Guido is like, he's like, you know, he's recovering at some kind of a uh, spa or other, right. Uh, he, he seems to be, uh, unhappy, right. Perhaps some mm. of this is self-inflicted. Perhaps there's something else going on. Um, he has a mistress, he has a wife, uh, you, yeah. uh, the, interestingly like you never truly do understand an eight and a half like like where does the director stand in terms of like like where's Fellini and the question of is this a talented artist right yes or no does he have depth does he have uh, something worthwhile to say uh uh Fellini does put words into Guido's mouth like um you know, I have I have like so much to say uh, or, or I'd, like I have nothing to say and like, you know, a strong desire to say it. S- a bunch of stuff that just like is like faux, like artsy crap that doesn't really uh, mean anything. But there's also lots and lots of like critics, right? And like, there's like a, but both Stardust Memories and Eight and a Half have this like freak show uh, thing going on where you have these like, you know, caricatured characters are coming out. They all look kind of, you know, there may be like some fucked up in some way, like maybe they're uh, have weird faces or maybe they're dressed in some weird way or they're behaving in an odd fashion. And um, uh, some of the uh, uh, freaks in the eight and a half freak show, they say things that are completely off the wall artistically. And I could tell that, you know, it's like Fellini's way, like in terms of like where he stands, he's sort of skewering some of these perspectives. Perhaps he's skewering some of the ways that, you know, some of his other films might've been taken or the films of of, of, uh, other directors have been taken. And you have the same kind of idea in in Stardust Memories, but like, you know, in in terms of like, what's the better film- This
1: kind of thing goes back to um, uh, Proust i think or well probably I, I, I've, you, I've actually never read this so maybe maybe you could, well, you, could, you, could say on even, that. you could say even this sort of stuff appears in the satiricon by um, petronius you know kind of mm. like you know, arguably one of the first novels like where mm. you have, have a, uh, but but yeah that 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 sense of kind of um you're, you're right there's um, um there's grotesque elements but uh, like i'm i'm also interested in these weird things what what occurs to me when i rewatched it recently is um um for instance uh how how it b- borrows other things from new wave. So, um, like in his house, in his apartment, on the wall, there's a mural of that famous photograph of the um, um the the guy being executed. With, uh, yeah, with in Vietnam. Guy. Yeah, I remember I remember watching it and kind of just going, Yeah, what the fuck, is that doing there? Like, a, like <laughs> you know, like like um, uh, it, it, I I don't know what to feel about. It. It's like in, in a sense, I see. It as do you notice that like, the background borrowing- is changing? yeah 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 that's like like i feel like that that's maybe something some sort of borrowed from um, a more kind of european art house but in the in that context it's still quite kind of interesting kind of the idea of the 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 shifting mural but but it it kind of does have a comic effect as well kind of when you when you see it this guy like with his dining room like his Mm -hmm. little uh, modernist dining room with a big mural of kind Mm of uh execution on the wall
0: comic as well as kind of you know uh psychologically revelatory in the sense that i mean as the film opens like he's like you know he's on the verge of some kind of nervous breakdown almost suicidal you could say and you have that kind of photo right (laughs) later on you don't know
1: whether to like say it's like a really um subtle thing or really fucking on the nose thing you know it's uh, it it it, it, it's it's interesting the, the way the film shifts between that sort of serious and Mm. and quite like buoyant light thing i mean it's it's not it's not haphazard like uh, and and the moments of kind of seriousness like for instance the prolonged um sequence with charlotte rampling and you know Mm. uh fragmentary um speaking to the camera you couldn't call it really a monologue could you but um, um but but other things of the, the sort of lightness and the sort of the, like when he gets out of the the car and he's greeted by all the fans from the cinema club who are all swamping him and like mm-hmm. i love your old uh, funny movies and like mm-hmm. i'm uh I'm, t- I'm trying to talk to him about the marx brothers and it's like uh, and it, and it's just the one long tracking shot which goes from his point of view to breaking from it and it's it, it that kind of banetic but like i'm a smooth black and white kind of cinematography you just feel it feels very much from that kind of european um new wave from um, a uh, school like a, like all those sort of guys you you know it's it's kind ex- 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 ex-
0: except in, in this case, like, you know, when it comes to like black and white, if you're in, in the modern age, right, and you do a black and white film, you better have a, a decent artistic reason. And for Stardust Memories, like I can't imagine this being colorized. This is, this is a film that is so dependent on its kind of exaggerated dreamlike qualities that it just makes perfect sense yeah. to do a black and white film, you know, out of the themes and out of the characters, out of the caricatures. Um, and just to go back to like eight and a half for a second, like e- yeah. even like the, the characters and like the, the respective freak shows that both films have, um, like the freak shows in Stardust Memories are, they're just much more clever, right? So many of those characters, they just say just funny, just funny, funny things, funny things, absurd things, ridiculous what, things.
1: What, who, who, who are you think? Who, who, what's your example of a freak show character from uh, Stardust Memories just specifically?
0: like like for example he when he visits his family and then you like you're greeted by like the door opening like oh my god and then like she has these like huge glasses <laughs> that he goes to see uh, i guess like his uh, sisters I, I guess it's i forget who is maybe it's a sister or cousin he sees his like sister's uh, husband and he's like on this like bike he was like before getting this bike I had two heart attacks, and he has this kind of like uh, bell that's yeah, like yeah. ringing, and yeah. she's like, "Stop it! I got it for him since Christmas, and he hasn't stopped, you know, like hot, like like tinkling yeah, yeah. it since I got it." And then, so Woody asks. I really, him, I really,
1: I really, I think I really like the scenes just where he's being harassed by his fan, like where he's trying to like, yeah. make a phone call, and the and the guy keeps trying to like talk yeah. to him about. Like, the guy just won't leave him alone or whatever. Like, he, yeah, he, God. But but, but, but,
0: but, he, but he's still, you know, like, like on a baseline level, he's still very respectful to everybody. And he oftentimes gives yeah. like very sage advice. Like when a, a former classmate confronts him and is like, hey, like, can you look at this or look at that? Uh, like I'm a cab driver now. And he was like, you know, like uh, this is just like all Sandy Bates says, you know, this is all just about luck, right? If I was an Apache Indian, uh, my comic skills, they would not, you know, hold some sort of premium, right? Instead, I'd be killed right? Because I was such a comedian. Whereas in the, in this country, in this time period, I'm able to make money off of this, right? So even in those confrontations, so many of them are funny, but so many of them have a depth that you don't have uh, that depth in eight and a half, like in that, uh, when, when like the freaks confront Guido. There, they, they clearly want exactly what they want out of sandy bates and starters memories but there's much less rapport there's much less give and take there's much less that that's revealed even something that's like a very brief interaction where he like with this one like love interest uh the sandy bates has they enter into like this like um uh, like this like dark structure i forget where it is like on, on the beachfront and suddenly like some woman like appears and she's like i'm your mother and you think for a yeah. second that perhaps this could be her mother. Like, he says nothing. It might be some kind of possibility, but you know there is some kind of tension at a pole or maybe, like, something else going on with his mother in the film and other films, right? If you want to extrapolate into the other movies a bit. Um, and, yeah. and like, th- th- that is, like, so heavy with implication And just th- those few seconds. Like, there's a lot of richness there that, you know, Fellini doesn't really get to develop that all that much in Eight and a Half.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you're, you're I, I, well, I agree. I mean, this is this. That's why I think sort of Stardust Memories is interesting because it's a film that out of all his it's a film that like the most. It, it really closely models itself after Eight and a Half. But in mm. every way, it seems to kind of surpass it. Kind of, all, mm. you know, one has to said there's a lot to be said for Fellini's stylishness and his, his you know, his ability to to. Um, have a you know his, his, his characters always have these manly turns of phrase and like it's there's a really good um story i mean it's been it's i'll admit it's been years since i've seen it have, and it was it was such an ordeal at first when i was first getting into film to try and find a fucking copy with english mm-hmm. subtitles that when i did kind of like um uh, the my mission was done that i didn't return to it like um uh, but it, it, it is it is a, a very a very sophisticated film very good film but Stardust mm-hmm. Memories. I, I agree with you and um, I, I, Dan completely. It, it goes, it goes beyond its subject matter. Again, while trying to do what another film does, like while trying to, in in a sense, kind of just like follow up a follow follow the, um follow it up, answer it back, try and sort of meet it on its terms, mm-hmm. which is an an odd thing to to to, to seem doing, but kind of kind of makes sense. Like again, like I in that pastiche thing, that comic. Like you know, he goes from making Casino Royale. And you know, bananas and these films which are parodies to now to now making films which are kind of in it, it have that kind of um, I suppose satirical or sort of pastiche element to it, but have much more of a sophistication, much more an openness to and a sort of a, a, a an emotional, an emotional realness too as well. I think mm. like this this is the thing we're seeing about the films. There's a kind of there's a kind of emotionality that comes through, I I think as well in a lot of the characters. And even for a character who is is kind of like um, you know not unlike a, a lot of other woody allen characters that we've mm-hmm. seen like it still still feels like a, a fully three-dimensional human being with like you know like again like a child specifically
0: sandy bates you mean specifically sandy
1: yeah yeah like yeah. like yeah. So, someone with a childhood someone like like with a history someone with um uh you know, i don't want to like uh, next time i'm gonna be saying something corny like yeah. he has scars but like but uh, it's it's uh it's it's, it's something like that. i mean they like the what yeah you're writing about kind of this, um, uh, this film is, is I think very on the money and uh, very persuasive, especially when you describe scenes like where he's meeting the aliens who mm-hmm. come out to tell him to just be funny, mm-hmm. you know, like um, uh, something which on it on its surface is um, uh, something kind of stupid, but actually has a lot of poetry to it. It's almost like a scene from a uh, Antoine de Saint Exupery novel, you know, like mm-hmm. The Little Prince. This, this, it's it's a, it's sort of a really bizarre but beautiful metaphor, kind of like um, uh, that's kind of existentialist but Cuddling, you know, it's it's um cute, cute existentialism. Oh no, like maybe that's what Marx Brothers existentialism is. Mm. But it's like you know, yeah, life is life is maybe meaningless. But hey, so what? You know, um, um, you got. uh, I mean, what's the theme from another woman that we were talking about, which ties into so many other films? Um, there was just like you know, life. You know, um, hey, you maybe don't get what you always want, but um, maybe you should settle. Maybe you should be okay with things. Is that maybe that's some um. Is, is that worse? Is that better or worse than dying alone or being alone? Mm. And then kind of like what would being alone like? Being alone, being like, and kind of like being left behind, uh, like all this other stuff. I, I mean, this this is this is where you see a kind of thing come out. When I was when I was watching these Woody Allen films with my partner, and um, uh, initially he was kind of like, these films are basically more or less the same. Kind of, it's the same kind of story. It's the same kind of guy. And I said, yeah, but I think like al- although there's kind of like the bare bones of something, kind of film to film. I think it's developing and it's going in new avenues. Sort of, he's taking it in new directions. So, although we do get kind of a, a narrow slice of society, or, or we get kind of a, a very kind of male gaze, or we get Woody Allen, it's it's always being elaborated upon in very different. And surprising ways, so from the very serious um uh, almost tomb-like seriousness of something yeah. like um uh, another woman to the much more kind of woozy champagne kind of existentialism of um, uh, um stardust memories, kind of like you know uh, where it's you know more so and the way it ends too, uh, on another note of optimism, but this very beautiful, I think, very cinematic thing where you know he looks in Charlotte Rampling's eyes. And Stardust Memories plays. And I mean, I fucking hate Louis Armstrong, I'll say that much, but even I can recognize. The, the the beautiful, yeah. It's it's it's, 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 so it's a it's great scene, another, yeah. Beautiful, and, 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 and that's the, and
0: that's the thing, like yeah. When they're looking at one another, it starts like the camera starts on Woody Allen's face as he's describing his like and then you don't see him, and yeah. then you don't see him at all. But you, you, like you only see him by implication because you see Dory's face; she's making Look faces you see at her him, seeing
1: him. Yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and and you know you know that he must be making some kind of faces. He must be doing something to make her smile or or laugh, right? And then Not- you know. And
1: that's precisely the moments you don't
0: get in a lot yeah, of new yeah,
1: wave yeah. cinema. A lot yeah. of new wave cinema is more about these kind of more elaborate flourishes sometimes, even for its so-called realism. Like these moments that you get with, with Woody Allen, that maybe he's bringing from Bergman, maybe from something else. Like, But he, that, that, yeah, you know, the close-ups, the 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 the, re- the people's faces, looking at one another, like you're saying all the time, the blocking, the way that you don't see yeah. figures. I mean, that's that's a crucial thing that I think he brings to the table, and that can come out in like the, a big way.
0: I, I I think some of the Pygmalion connection uh, is even more prominent uh, hmm. uh, for the reason for the reasons why it's so applicable to Woody Allen in this film compared to even some of the other films because. Um, you know, the the one character that he seems to end up with Isabel, right? She, she's the most mature one. She seems to be the best one for him. Right. But again, she had those qualities all along, right. To whatever extent that he brings out some positives in her, she Mm -hmm. is someone that is strong from the beginning. Right. Um, and, uh, there's this funny scene where, like, he's also in this kind of dreamscape, and he's he's kind of like he looks like he's in the middle of some kind of sitcom, and he's you know building like Frankenstein's monster, right, where yeah. he takes the brain out of like this one uh, 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 unattractive. But totally sane and loving woman, and he puts that brain into uh, the head of a woman that's like beautiful but yeah. completely like insane and and I guess like bad, right? In terms of being in a relationship with, yeah, he
1: he, he sees himself as caught between these two women. Does, yeah, the aliens when they come like yeah. interfere, like they they talk about this too. They say like, why are you, about, yeah, why are but- you in this thing? But, but but I think
0: I think speaking specifically to that Pygmalion thing, like, and, yeah. and why some of the, like, straight jacket uh, feminist readings don't work here is when he does make that switch of the brains, like, the joke, uh, the, like, the punchline in that scene is, is, like, so great. So you fell in love then with the uh, beautiful, now, the now beautiful and now good woman. It was like, no, I fell in love with the other one. Why? <laughs> because he's drawn to like the fuck up regardless, Mm -hmm. even if she's now like physically like unattractive, the fact that she's the fuck up, like he's totally, he's totally drawn to that. So like, I I think in many respects, like the Pygmalion thing for for the Woody Allen character is, it's not that he's like chiseling someone out of marble. It's not even necessarily that he's like building anyone up. He is, he is, he is creating the complexities and the problems for himself. Like he's creating that difficulty. He wants that difficulty. That to him is the art. How do I navigate these landmines with this completely, you know, crazy uh, uh character? Um yeah, like like in it has not sense yeah. you're certainly
1: right to say that there's oh. a big connection with Pygmalion, yeah. Yeah. And and, and, you know,
0: like like with husbands and wives, like there's that, um, uh, I forget her name, the, the woman that he was like in love with. He had this like early fling with. Like the first time that you see her in the movie, like she's not even doing anything crazy and she's not saying anything, but she just looks completely insane. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, and you could just tell like, wow, like, I, I know why he's, you know, attracted to her. But the difference is, is like, he's not merely attracted to these women. He wants to pursue relationships with them, which is which is the the weird part. Right. Uh, there's something that's, like that's... very like self-flagellating about it. Right.
1: That's the part that really strains belief, like Charlotte Rampling shacking up with Woody Allen. I mean, my God. Like my Charlotte Rampling's like one of those beautiful women who really like it's it's crazy. Like, well, uh, she she, well,
0: she she she's based on a um uh what was her name? Like Laura, uh, uh Loris uh or was it Doris or something? I, I forget so, so he was with uh one woman for like a couple of years. I think he was married to her for a couple of years, and they were still friends after the marriage, but she was shocked when Uh, she saw like stardust memories because so much of the Dory character she said was like based on her. Right. Right. So, so she, so there's definitely been, you know, plenty of people of the Charlotte Rampling type, both in beauty and personality that he did nab. Right. And again, going back earlier, like, well, he's verbally good. He's talented. He's wealthy. And you know this is threatening because physically he's not the ideal, right? That that women want, and to the extent that here's this guy that seems like he's undeserving of these kinds of women, nonetheless constantly shacking up with them, right? That's um, it's not so much that it's threatening; it's ju- it just makes people mad. That shouldn't happen, you know. I like I I I I, I just finished uh, reading um uh, Goethe's The uh, Sorrows of Young Virger, and at some point uh, I'm not sure okay, if you know really, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's a pretty, that's that's a tricky book. It's, it's it's a pretty shitty book, I think overall, but there's this part where like, um, uh, a virtue, like he's like writing his letters to, uh, uh, Wilhelm and he's like, I can't believe she, he starts to be like, I can't believe that she could love someone else like this kind you know this this kind of like uh, imposition right and people yeah. and people view like the woody allen type as a de facto imposition of something that's like you know overly masculine but it's coming from someone that is very disarming in a sense that he has nothing to show you know for that masculinity other than you know the kind of like the the, the brain stuff the, the verbal stuff you know the the talent oh, don't the get money. too
1: mad i'm just i'm just saying that like charlotte Rampling's like a like a supermodel looking woman like she she's she's especially like what do you mean mad what <laughs> do you mean mad God. what do you
0: think of, what do you think of getting mad at
1: you're getting mad. If you're like defending Woody Allen's honor. Like, listen, he's got the smarts. He's got the stuff. Like, we know. We know. We've been over this. So I'm just saying. Well, sh- I, I, I'm not. Bored. I'm
0: not even framing this in terms of like <laughs> deserving anyone. Anyway. I'm just saying, yeah. as a matter of fact, why certain relationships are, you know, happened. Uh, it seems like against all odds, right?
1: Yeah. Um, no, no, totally. Like, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm living proof of that. Um, what was um, um it, it's, it's it's not a real urban film, though, is it? In a sense. Uh, um in uh like we don't get that kind of like urban like, it's more uh, it's more it's more long island than urban yeah 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 long island. i've never i've never been to new york so yeah. <laughs> my my sense of the geography in that regard but, but like these
0: beaches and like suburban yeah. type you know spots yeah. is what it looks like yeah
1: kind of like um, um um is is long island where coney coney um island is where's coney island well, Coney Island is a uh it's it's
0: in Brooklyn, right? And it's attached, like right, right to the south of Brooklyn. It used to be an actual island. They they filled it okay. up with like sand at some point, um, turned it into a peninsula, essentially. Uh but Long Island is just like on, on the outskirts. That's like where, you know, like the Long Island Republicans are like the, the people that are, you know, they're 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 rich and perhaps racist and uh just kind <laughs> of like living in their own world. Because if you think right. about it, it is like almost like a hundred miles, I believe. Yeah. Um, of just kind of like disconnect, like if you're living, if you're able to live there and work there and not have to, you know, head into the city to work, it is its own kind of completely disconnected world.
1: Yeah. So. yeah. Sort of
0: gated world.
1: Um, 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 so so, so it, it's kind of striking in that sense. We, we, we do get shots of, um, um, sort of, although, you know, it, it, in a lot of, um, scenes in Woody Allen films do take place in parks and sort of on walks and sort of en route to place to kind of a, even, you know, we were just talking about uh, husbands and wives, and sort of we were talking about a scene where Woody Allen was talking to someone you know, in a park on a walk kind of around, mm-hmm. kind of like, and it, so uh, and, uh, and, you know, there's a lot, there's a few scenes as well on the, where a lot of scenes in transit as well in vehicles, mm-hmm. you know, people in taxis or kind of uh, on trains or uh, like, yeah
0: that sort of stuff the, the opening is out. on a train right the opening is that the dream that, secret, movie yeah, that he's that, making yeah. that,
1: that's the illusion to it eight and a half mm-hmm. isn't it as well like but, but um uh, they're, they're, a lot of, yeah a lot of the scenes do take place in kind of like that sort of stuff too like it's yeah. uh, that, that's what i like as well. it's not just people walking into rooms like and and um sort of saying each other's names okay like, uh, they're they're much more kind of um active sort of mm. um uh, the way the ways in which people's like because like i was saying like a lot of these films are melodramas like one of the worst melodramas like you know I've, I've seen my fair share of bad soap operas people just walking into rooms and like saying one another's names and every scene happening basically like that mm-hmm. but, but no there does seem to be like we were saying with this film where you were talking about like the the quickness the flow the fluidity of the film how everything leads into one yeah. another with this with this real ease and fluidity and how even some scenes might have sort of seem almost jarringly disconnected in sort of their tone or like, but it flows nonetheless. And it doesn't, there's, we don't feel that there's been some sort of serious um, uh, interruption of kind of the integrity of the film overall, kind of like it's, it's feeling of it being like a film and not just a, you know, a sporadic series of events kind mm-hmm. of uh, uh, like, I, I, so, and, and we were talking about and too. I mean, like uh, I was just thinking, cause recently I watched a lot of Woody Allen's recent, um, filmography like uh mighty aphrodite well relatively recent mighty aphrodite or then later, um uh what, what's it called whatever works mm-hmm. the one he did with um the curb your enthusiasm guy um larry david yeah. and those are basically pygmalion films mm-hmm. um but but <laughs> like they are basically but they're, they're operating on a much more rudimentary level than the sort of thing we would get in um Stardust memories, yeah. And I, I don't know if it's because he's doing more things, whether the scale is bigger, because I mean the scale of a film, like Eight and a Half, is quite big. So mm-hmm. when we when we look at what um, Woody Allen is taking from that film, I think it is in a sense a kind of scope, a scale, you know, where you know it's um, it's a big film, it's a film about a film, you know, it's a it's it has all these moving parts, um, and I think maybe that that's it. That's in a way kind of where you know his great period of filmmaking is far behind him now but i think if if he could go right anyway it would be more like that it'd be to mm. look more at cinema and try and look at more about how the filmmakers do things instead of you know getting caught up in this idiosyncrasy sometimes even though a lot of his films are about isn't being caught in habits and um you know why do people do this and do that it's you know once I still, and I think you too notice a decline in this filmmaking, you don't, you're not going to get better than Stardust Memories. Mm, no. After, after this yeah, I don't think you so. might get other heights, but this is really the peak. And that's, that's the problem as well. That kind of like Woody Allen's not going to come along with a new film anytime soon and t- change anyone's mind about uh, how great of a filmmaker he is. But like, yeah. we can, we can make other more arguments for Stardust Memories. We can, we can say kind of like, you know, um, it deserves to be reassessed and looked at as something that, that is, um in a way contending with eight and a half for a certain for you know for a certain level yeah
0: uh, i mean the the last uh like contemporary contemporary film of his that i've seen it was like in 2017 a wonder wheel in fact i was like sort of writing i I was sort of writing a review for it at the time that was like oh fuck it like i don't i just don't want to i don't want to like talk about this like it's just you know it's not that it, it wasn't even wasn't even necessarily the worst of his you know, new, new films. In fact, it did have some like good qualities, but you know, a lot of it just does get so unbelievably repetitive. Like it it does get kind of pointless. Um, But, you know, eventually I'm going to have to like uh, re-release my Woody Allen book and, uh, you know, put everything in it, right? Like everything that he's done uh, since that point, which is like, since I believe like 2015 is when I end or 2016 is when I end the book with Cafe Society. Um, So but, uh, it'd, yeah, I mean, it would like be, it's, it's it'd
1: be interesting, it'd be interesting to, to, to do a kind of survey of those those later films, I think. Because, you know, there are moments in some of them, for sure. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about um, Midnight in Paris, and I think that's a film that has some interesting um, aspects and uh, to it. Yeah. Uh, maybe, but, maybe we could
0: uh, also bring in, like, Manhattan a little bit into the discussion of Midnight in Paris. Yeah, yeah This, this is, like, another, background. like, city film, right? Another yeah. one of his, like, city films. Um, so, I mean, like, what, what do you think of Midnight in Paris?
1: it's it's i think it's a it's it's a curious film i think it is a good a good film yeah i you know um we, we were talking about sort of this decline in woody allen's work and and definitely i don't think kind of midnight in paris is like a a filmic statement like you'd have from like eight and a half it's it's you know i i it's it kind of sets out to do something quite um there's a kind of cuteness to like his his, his um his films are from like from that period onwards, kind of mm-hmm. very kind of twee, very unthreatening. You know, we we're, there's there's a lack of sort of danger or grit. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. never really mm-hmm. the sense that anything terrible can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the irony of films like whatever works or, or like, it's like, you know, it's like Pygmalion if you stripped any kind of social context from it, you mm-hmm. know, any you know, poor people don't exist, you know, mm-hmm. or, or if they do exist, then they're kind of, you know, like we're not asked to think about how they, um, you know, questions like subsistence or whatever kind of everybody used just a professional kind of and they get integrated into that world seamlessly
0: yeah. um
1: but it, in midnight in paris we, we we still we we there's there's that introspection we get from woody allen and there's there's the we, we see his passions as well coming on on to the forefront his interest in literature and music and um um Cole Porter, I suppose, um, uh, yeah. but, uh, and, uh, but Paris as well. And and it's almost like he is with the film trying to kind of respond to Manhattan or he's kind of like talking back to himself making Manhattan. The film begins with a kind of montage over music of the city of Paris. So it's, it's almost set up to kind yeah. of like be a kind of Manhattan version of Paris. But you know, it's obviously the story is very different, has a very different character, very different tone. and Like we said, it, it lacks some of that grit, it lacks some of that um that edge but it you know it's it, it does feel like a, a an interesting response and it does seem like a, a continuation of some of the things that we get in woody allen films And it, 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 i think it does do some things in the film that are quite interesting that the, the theme of nostalgia is kind of brought to the forefront with the film and that's something that's always in the background of his other films but here it's kind of put on display and people's nostalgia and their, their kind of sentiments is kind of used as a theme and kind of line with those other things that we get in Woody Allen films like you know people's social aspirations you know what they want their romantic um, ideations of kind of like relationships and all that sort of stuff. Nostalgia becomes the thing here and kind of people's the world people live in compared to the world people want to live in Mm -hmm. and you know a certain level you can criticize Woody Allen in, in the film too kind of like the the Paris we get, the, the the Paris he kind of brings us into with kind of these montages is beautiful and it's all the Napoleonic statues. The Paris I know that I've been to stinks of piss and um, mm. it's, it's covered with graffiti. It's a beautiful city, but like, you know, uh, same with Venice as well. People talk about the beauty of Venice. No one talks about kind of like a, the fucking reek of the place. Um, yeah. it, it's it's So the film itself is of artificial contrivance about artificial contrivances about what or, or about you know, i don't know like um artifice in a sense kind of um uh, an idealized fantasy world that kind of uh, you know is it better to live in a fantasy what can one one do by living through fantasy isn't that what being an artist is about like is there a line one has to walk um you know in one way is this one can see that owen wilson is it owen wilson yeah yeah, owen wilson, wilson character, yeah. as a kind of a logical stand-in for a role that Woody Allen could have played in mm. it when he when he was younger, but um, uh, one can see how he brings um, his own sort of thing to the character. I mean, I, I I don't think he's some sort of amazing performer compared to other performers or even someone like uh, um, um, Charlotte Rampling or like I I, th- I think, uh, but he he does he 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 does kind of fall into the Allen esque. Woody-esque or whatever role quite easily with his mannerisms and his sense you know kind of like social awkwardness so I think um, as a Woody Allen film it's you know you can you can certainly do worse but you
0: know I mean in general like uh, first of all I, I don't think very much of like Owen Wilson as an actor and I I, I think it's like really awkward seeing him playing like an intellectual or like artsy type right and it's also kind of weird because when you when you view him from like movie to movie he's very he's like like the mannerisms are very similar like the behaviors very so it's, it's to me it's it's very weird seeing him as a woody allen stand-in uh, for for various reasons, you mentioned that like opening montage uh, that we yeah. get in Manhattan, we also get it uh, uh, here in Midnight in Paris. Uh, here's of Paris, obviously, and um, like e- even like like it, there are like obvious differences in in what the strategy is uh, with one film or the other with these montages. With Manhattan, um, by the end of the movie, you definitely get the sense that all these. Beautiful uh images, whether they are like conventionally beautiful or, or stark in some way, they are supposed to contrast with or somehow belie or refract uh and reflect uh, uh some of the characters and the interactions within Manhattan. Uh 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 you, you, you don't get, you know, like the the cliched love letters to Manhattan. You get something grittier, you know, like you alluded to. Yeah. With with Midnight in Paris, though, um, it's this thing where uh, first of all the, monta- the like it's technically i mean it's a very technically well done film the montages are you know technically well done uh, they're alluring in some ways but generally speaking the shots are both highly representative of paris and perhaps the kinds of things that artsy types m- might focus on in paris like there's like a yeah. shot for example you know a, of of a of a lamp hanging off of a, a off of a, a storefront um but yeah the, the,
1: architecture
0: yeah i mean these the shots are very representative but they're also extremely generic in many ways and uh that wouldn't even be so much a problem because i guess maybe some of the manhattan shots are a little bit generic too in terms of like we choose to focus on i don't really remember i haven't seen that that film in a couple of years but um uh the, the, the main difference between Manhattan and this is not even that part, but in the fact that uh, one uses the montages for a specific kind of philosophical purpose here, I guess you do get a philosophical purpose, but like, what is that purpose? What is that comment? Is it to simply say, isn't Paris so romantic? You know, it's very, like, it's very, it's very superficial in that regard. Um so you know, e- even in terms of like, if you want to just compare the opening itself, the opening is cute and well done, but it doesn't actually do anything of substance. And superficially, it merely looks like Manhattan. But beyond the superficial uh, similarities, uh, the, the, the 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 two films, I think, diverge in uh, any number uh, of ways from that point on. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. This this, um, this is obviously the, the biggest problem in the film. It's a kind of a, I mean. Uh, it's difficult to say whether this was some sort of calculated choice or not but the fact that it's kind of a postcard image of paris but then seeks up to talk about all this like golden age Mm -hmm. Um, okay well what was paris really like you know what is paris really like you know the the idea is that paris is just some cipher can only Mm -hmm. be some cipher because you know but but no but if you go to paris it's like you know it's this very it, it, it's, this, it's this place which is like has this whole history built into it with housemanism and then all this other it's this it's this thing which is very kind of i mean just <laughs> i don't want to get caught up by the architecture of paris but um there's there's a sense i don't know you set the philosophical purpose of like the, the beginning of like manhattan i mean what what do you think do you think just that it um that it just has a philosophical kind of feeling and it's like, or do you think it has a specific I, I, I think it's just, I, I,
0: th- I think it's belied by the content of the film itself, right? When you get to the substance so it's, of so it's the kind of, interactions. So it's kind of
1: like, so it's kind of like bathos. It's a kind of illusion. It's like, you know, like here, here's this big birthday wedding cake topper version of the movie. It's an illusion, it's right? Down into, yeah, like okay. It's so, it's, right. a,
0: it's an illusion and a contrast. Right? The illusion is, isn't this so pretty and beautiful and wonderful? Don't you want to be in Manhattan? Yes, Meanwhile... It's, it's, the this characters is the problem, maybe it. Yeah. but like
1: there's the, there's this kind of bathos of like Manhattan which we feel you know there's this distance some levels of deconstruction some mm-hmm whereas it's more like where we're asked to accept the kind of the pathos of all the stuff that's going on in, in sort of midnight in Paris. We're asked to go kind of like, Oh yeah, really? Kind of like, you know, we, we all love Paris a bit because kind of like, we all grew up on the fantasy of it. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, oh, par- Parisians don't, you know, like, par- like, you know, like, par- like it's, it's, I don't, you
0: had negative re- re- uh, experiences. I had negative experiences. <laughs> you're, ta- you're talking about, uh, it smells like piss. I added to those uh, puddles of piss. I missed my train to Bordeaux one night in Paris and, uh, i was walking around it was like like january it was cold as fuck i was walking around for like 12 hours until like 6 a.m um finding literally like finding construction sites to piss in because that was the only place i, I could find this
1: i got fucking pickpocketed in paris oh, by someone worse. with a fucking gold tooth <laughs> like, like, like that's the paris i know yes. like i'm um, uh uh <laughs> and um, and people doing crappy caricature drawings outside of the Pompidou Center, yeah. you know, that like, that's that's the Paris I know. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, in that sense, it does feel like some sort of per, really personal essay. Yes, I'm sure Paris doesn't look like this to Woody Allen when he's staying in the fucking um, fancy hotels and he's like going to the Louvre and like that's the Paris he knows. But you know, like this is this is this is where the cracks start to come through, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think still though, when it, when it does go into the past and like, uh, it, it's more than just a kind of a lineup of famous figures. Cause you know, like, I'm a, like, you know, oh, there's Hemingway. There's this, like, they're quite, in, they're, they're quite funny. Interesting before like, the guy who plays Hemingway, I really liked mm-hmm. the performance of the guy who's Hemingway. Maybe it's just because I have this thing against Hemingway. So I quite like, him. You, you don't like,
0: think they're just too caricatured. Like they're, they're exactly like, in some ways they're like figments of like Gil's imagination, right? Where he's like, Oh my God. Girden yeah. Yeah, Bertha <laughs> Stein is exactly how we, you know, read about her. And it's like Um, you know, I guess, but like, so are you going to spend like literally one third of the movie presenting like caricatures from like literary, like pop, like pop interpretations of literary history, you know, um, that part. And and also like, what the fuck would any of these people want to do with Gil? Like, Uh, here's, here's, here's like Picasso. He's like, Oh yeah. Come in, hang out with me. Like I, Picasso would probably want to smack him, you know, like in, in real life. It's just weird. Um. I
1: think it, I think it, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll say, I'll say this. I think it's more the sense kind of like, you know, like if you, if you are a practicing artist, and like, you kind of do feel sometimes that you're locked in the room with five different schizoid entities that like, you know, mm-hmm. the ghosts of Picasso, this or that. So yeah, he, he, he you know, the, the whole idea is that he is in this kind of fantasy past, you know, who he travels back in time. Mm-hmm. He's talking to all these people and he comes back and he's like, I was talking to Hemingway. His mm-hmm. wife's like, no, you've... <laughs> and everyone kind of looks at him like he's a fucking cunt. Um, Well, it kind of, that's, you know, basically he is full of shit and kind of like he's not traveling back in time and like but and it it is a kind of a a false thing and it's kind of it's him kind of trying to talk back to the past and the past actually kind of talking back to him in a Mm -hmm. way and saying kind of to him well actually we were all really keen to get to the future or 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 else get back to our own imagined idea Mm -hmm. of the past and it's it's something that he that he's that he can only really find in that situation through going back to the past you know only through kind of lingering in this fantasy world can he kind of realize the kind of the way to break through it is kind of like you know to to go kind of like live in the present or whatever and at the end of the film he he meets with this uh, Parisian woman who he's mm-hmm. like gets talking with about Cole Porter or something like and there's a sense he might form a real relationship with real mm-hmm. roots in Paris that's not just in this synthetic fantasy world of memorabilia you know um, uh, yeah. stuff like books that he re- like just 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 for instance liking Hemingway is pretty fucking mm-hmm. you know like oh you're Hemingway the Hemingway like fuck off like like come on like uh it's, it's 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 really stereotypical like I'm uh I'm like oh my gosh Hemingway's giving me advice and it's it yeah yeah it yeah, even if you don't know who Hemingway is or you don't know what like, it seems goofy and it seems like you know some mm-hmm. some guy meeting Batman you know mm-hmm. kind of like, oh gosh Batman you know like it but then you know it's so in that in the and it's interesting because like what the Gertrude Stein says you've almost like written a science fiction novel it is a kind of science fiction you could easily make this story about a guy who goes into a VR world mm-hmm. and kind of like realizes that he needs to find a real girlfriend or something like that or or something like that it's kind of that but instead of a virtual reality we just get this guy's hazy um idealized idealized golden age of a past where his version of kind of these characters but they're not satisfied But even within the fantasy they're not satisfied being his got the woman you know that who is kind of you know this you know manic pixie dream girl kind of dream you know, artist. She modelled for Picasso and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. She, you know, she has her own kind of, you know, uh, you know, she's not just the drawing on the portrait. She has her own life. She has her own sort of mm-hmm. um, world of nostalgia and so. And and this and and I think that that's the that's an important thing. I think as a theme of the film. I think that the fact that like this will have been a thing that carri- that will have carried on throughout all time. This isn't just like a thing of our own like particular moment. Our modern world, like where we go, kind of like, oh, wouldn't it be better to be in a kind of world, you know, like a, what made everything made sense? At every point in history, there was some, someone was like anxious to get to kind of like either the future or to go to retreat back into the past. It's mm-hmm. it's not something, yeah. You know, it's it's a, it's a human thing. It's yeah. not kind of it doesn't it doesn't matter where you are. Like I'm, um, uh, people who were in Paris at one moment, they're living in a whole different city to people who were living in Paris a hundred years ago. Or kind of you know and and even they didn't want to be like there you know <laughs> the yeah, restlessness yeah. there it, uh, it's kind yeah. of a cute it's a cute version of the existentialism we get in woody allen it's, 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 it's the existentialism with the with the edges sanded off mm, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's the problem here what, that we see when we look at woody allen but you still see glimmers i think through things like that of the kind of the the depth that is in woody allen or like, like the fact that he you know he you know he, he he's an artist and not just some uh some hack
0: <laughs> yeah uh, i mean th- there's there's definitely like a set of inversions that occur in the film that are uh interesting and, and curious for a couple of different reasons so like uh the main aversion I, I guess is the fact that gil clearly has you know all this like golden age thinking right about um yeah you know like uh, about the past but paris just like the the uh, the girl that he from the past that he falls in love with she has her own kind of uh feelings mm-hmm. about the golden age of paris was actually not 1920 which is gill's golden age but 1890 right that's
1: the her from the golden... uh, siècle was it yeah 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 Époque, the belle époque yeah was that what it was the belle époque yeah the, okay. the, the moulin rouge and the uh henry and the Trek and all that stuff um uh <laughs> yeah
0: yeah uh, I, I don't have a lot of French, so I'll leave that to you. but but basically, yeah, so, so you have this inversion. but um a, a couple of uh, things that are interesting about it. First of all, uh, there's this character, uh, Paul, right, that his fiance ends up uh, cheating on him with. And Paul, early on, he says something telling, right He says that, oh, Gail is you know afflicted by this like golden age thinking, and Paul is supposed to be this like villain character, right but he you know and he is like very one dimensional in most respects, but he does in, end up in most
1: respects yeah yeah
0: he, he does end up making that one comment that ends up being like you know i guess one of the lessons and one of the inversions in the film right so it kind yeah. of like very slightly redeems them like you know woody like woody's characters even if like especially like near the uh, the end of his career they they're oftentimes kind of um you know they're they're pretty superficial in some ways or they're like two dimensional still like there's still yeah. like a, an element or two that you could point to anyway so th- that's the first part of it the second part is even if we say that there's like an inversion occurring and Gil, you know, I guess quasi recognizes that, Hey, you know, I don't have to have a golden age thinking I could just be in love with the present today. And look at this great new girl that I have in my arm. Well, even if you take that at face value, it is kind of telling that he is still so fixated on trying to escape California into Paris. That is another kind of golden age thinking. Like I'm, 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 I'm personally like very kind of wary of, you know, any person or any idea that, you know, I just need to escape where I am. I need to go to a new city. I need to go to, especially to a new country, uh, people that are, you they're very fixated on this kind of stuff. They are usually running from something. Like I've known so many people, like, like so many, like I'm sure you've known people like this too, right? That are constantly hopping from place to place to place. And yet internally, like it seems like nothing really changes within these people. Um, You know, there, there's a kind of like, a, so it, it's still, kind, you know, Woody's trying to do this artistic inversion, which you sort of have to do to make it, you know, artistically of any kind of value. But, He still can't help, but, you know, taking this like easy way out. That's not even a way out, right. You're still dealing with the same exact set of problems uh, that you started with. Right. Except, you know, cosmetically, you just sort of change it up a little bit. Um,
1: Yeah. yeah. It's it's also, it's also the theme of settling as well. Um, um, You know, like uh, I, 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 yeah, you're right. I mean, like uh, I don't think there's any sense that kind of, you you definitely could read it as something that like could be like you know, not cyclical, but you know you you trade one fantasy for another, mm-hmm. or yeah. what, what have you? But then that that's the kind of whole problem with um, would, the Woody Allen films, kind of we're talking about now. Like where, where they where they where they seem to have a the the narrowness of the perspective becomes a bit more of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like by keeping things in this sort of little microcosm of. Uh, New York, you know, like this this sort of world. Like maybe we can like, but but like a more kind of international vision of Woody Allen. It seems more and more kind of like a you know, like a like postcard. It it it, you know it doesn't it doesn't um we we come into some problems with it. Uh, And so so you're right. He just set up this theme of kind of you know living in the I don't know living in the if not living in the moment then then not trying to kind of live in a kind of golden age, but. Yeah, you're right. Kind of like if if there's something kind of lacking in you, kind of is moving to Paris going to fill that lack. Or, yeah. or or is it another kind of um another kind of gold, golden thinking another kind of wishy thinking yeah um yeah. but i don't think the film tackles that sort of stuff i think you know like, like i was saying like this is not a, as good a film as like the one stuff we get from his own golden age of filmmaking so um uh, we, we have to kind of take it for what it's worth but the quality is i do see it uh, you know as, as well let, let me let me be, be totally honest like my bias is for kind of like, art produced in, uh, you know, um, um, turn of the century in uh, Paris. Like, I love all Mm. that kind of modernist shit, you know, uh, Picasso and Stein and all this shit. So, like, uh, I'm uh, I'm, I'm quite pleased to see those people appear as characters whenever they do appear. Um, uh, And I think the characterizations are probably not as exaggerated as we would otherwise think. I mean, this is sort of the problem with doing artistic types, especially... Those taken from uh, a, very, um, <laughs> a very particular moment in history, where you look, people like Salvador Dali, mm-hmm. play, played by Adrian Brody. I mean, um, um, that scene doesn't really contribute to anything like um uh but it, it's it's a uh, it, it's it's just a kind of like oh here's salvador dali he was back yeah. then kind of like um, uh, and it doesn't he, even
0: capture anything of dali that would make dali dali i mean it's just like it's just well it's it's all kind of, it, it kind shit. of
1: does sound exactly like the one one of these kind of he, he would kind of Pawn off kind of weird, stupid phrases to people, like. But yeah, but that's
0: what I mean. It's only that, that
1: but, but only what, the superficial part, the you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah the appearance yeah. of Picasso is probably the most justified because we can then have the scene later But Picasso. Uh, yeah, where to, he, to
0: move the plot along again,
1: in that regard, that, I think true. that's that's the best instance of a use of a, a thing where, where, and probably um, um, I, I, I don't know, like uh, it's, it's it's an int- and it and it seems to be building off of kind of other scenes in woody allen films where they're you know woody and other characters often women kind of he's dating go into art galleries and like, mm. talk about the art or when women kind of are hooking up with artists and just like we were talking about with hannah and her sisters the architect giving the tour to the two girls who are competing competing for his affections and um uh, in, in this we have like you know the the the, the a very kind of intellectual kind of group of um well-to-do people and uh mm-hmm. and the the guy and the the character played by michael who is it is it, is it michael Sheen? is it michael sheen the actor um but he, he he's playing this kind of like guy who's taking every opportunity to dick wave about kind of like you know his uh, his expertise and kind of like uh mm-hmm. in his, his education mm-hmm. and this is it scene like where kind of like come um, on um, where where Owen Wilson is able to like step in with this bit of information and like uh, because we've also had other scenes like Woody Allen films where people try to use their education or where people try to sound educated or you know they'll say some they'll say the correct thing but they won't have confidence in what they're saying or they'll say the wrong thing like completely confidently like Mm -hmm people who are wrong uh, can often be very confident in like the way they're wrong mm. like in allen film but you know in this like the the, the stuffy pretentious guy is often um, a most of the time, correct or, or seemingly on on one level, well-meaning. Oh, I'll, I'll proofread your novel for you. I'll, I'll proofread this for you. And let me tell you about the, the definition of the word Versailles the and uh, mm. all this other sort of stuff. Um, uh, you know, he's like on on paper, he just he seems like a kind of charming guy, but in like um, uh, in reality, he's kind of this guy who is obviously dick waving and is obviously trying mm. to like demasculate the other guy. I kind of like, like look i'm this time tenured intellectual you're a hollywood script writer like mm. i'm a let me give let me be your mentor let me be your henry higgins <laughs> like i'm a it's a and I, I and then that pays off that this mm. um this uh, pressure is released in the moment where kind of um um you know i, I keep, he um uh, pulls the zinger and says kind of no this is actually a portrait of This other woman, not the the uh, and and um, the kind of and kind of um, uh, and and his girlfriend is kind of offended by this, and she kind of like acts as if kind of he said something kind of like outrageous, like um, uh, and like she her whole body language, she turns to him. she's always I'm like slightly his his
0: fiance. I I think uh, one thing I will say uh, about this film that I didn't notice before is, um, you know, his his like so on the one hand, like his fiance is. I don't want to call her one-dimensional she's very much a two-dimensional character and the second dimension is the following uh you know she, she's obviously presented a, as a villain right she's supposed to be this kind of counterweight uh uh to gill's like underdog point of view right nobody in the film wants to like yes. accept gill's point of view like his, his romance and whatnot um but the thing is like gill's point of view deserves a whole lot of skewering that it doesn't really get sufficiently in the film. And she's actually the only one that in like robust robust fashion again and again and again tries to skewer his point of view. This is is the
1: point and this is what I kind of about her character. The fact that kind of, there's that, you know, I would I would probably kind of be a bit pissed off with Owen Wilson. kind of like Yeah exactly you know, like, I was I was crazy. just thinking
0: like like n- not, not to justify or Oh you're not going to come dancing
1: with me and my friends you yeah. want to go on fucking like like, and, like, like, and, like like like
0: like not to not to like justify anybody cheating on anybody else but no. it's not it's not really unexpected right that he'd get <laughs> cheated on not. by this woman no. Mm-hmm. Right. Like um, he, he is, in many respects, like pretty annoying. It's also, again, one of my like, things about the films is it's not always clear as to whether the artists within the films are talented or not the bits the little bit of the novel that yeah. we get that he's working on doesn't really seem like that that good to me but i mean who knows um no, no.
1: well i mean wouldn't you be pissed off if he came back to the like and he was just oh hemingway and he was like yeah. like like we have to yeah. like, go to dinner <laughs> like, uh, like uh so so i mean maybe maybe that's i, I quite you know how often um, do we get like really bitchy i mean we we do get kind of like kind of slightly disfun- we get dysfunctional kind of Tiny strong women in, in um, Woody Allen films. Sometimes we don't really get the kind of cold bitch all the time, like right? the kind yeah. of just like just like always kind of like snapping and kind of like just like you know, like a. Uh, so in in that re- you can tell that she's actually quite enjoying that role. But um, mm. um, no, it's it's not a shine out nuanced performance. Definitely, yeah. It's just these aren't really nuanced characters anyway, and they're they're kind of like enjoyable comedic performances. Yeah. I, th- I think Michael Sheen really likes the sleazy kind of like element of the character and like, uh like when, like when he's pronouncing Versailles, like the stress he puts on it, like, like, Ooh, I know French. Versailles. Like, and then just mm. like, Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, like I'm a, kind of a, a kind of um a, a much, a much looser film than what we would get from the tightly bound, very yeah. um, uh, intense filmmaking of Af- um, another woman or, um, stardust memories but you know it's there's still there's glimmers of the old woody in there and like whereas where something in like uh um whereas something in like um whatever works it's really kind of it's, it's geriatric woody mm. like it's kind of like him kind of like oh call my friends i'll make a film like uh yeah
0: um we, we should do some more of these uh like film shows they're very kind of uh, low stakes and a little, uh, uh, more low effort on my part because w- w- with the, uh, the artifacts or whatever, I'm doing books. I have to yeah. read the stuff. I have to take so many notes here. I just watched a bunch of these movies again, took some notes and, uh, here we are, right. Uh, a, a kind of like mm-hmm. no pressure environment, but we, you know, we could say a lot, right. There's a lot
1: of stuff that comes out. Um, yeah, Definitely especially I mean especially in the realms of like you know characters and narratives and um, all that sort of stuff you can talk forever about that kind of shit yeah like but the the, the, the I think I think you know the, the point in talk I mean the re- like I was saying to you earlier the reason I wanted to talk about Woody Allen is because it's precisely because of the thing that like he's people kind of won't don't don't feel the need to talk about him or, or rather that he's he's uh he, he's not fashionable so yeah. like you know there, there should be there should be a little bit of of talk about kind of like the merits of him as a filmmaker that kind of uh, continues because we, we see all that shit for those all those other filmmakers but not really for alan um, i mean obviously he's doing better than both of us like I mean, he's all yeah. right but uh, but but still you know it's um uh like th- th- there's a kind of that you you can see that there's a big question mark over his name in terms of like how people like um look at what he's done over his life
0: Yeah. I mean, people, people definitely underrate him and underestimate him. I mean, like just, just fucking think about it. He's literally like Mm. one of the top, you know, five, if not like top three American filmmakers, if not filmmakers, period, the world over. And he's the only one that I can think of that does, you know, drama and comedy, you know, uh, I don't want to say more or less equally well because his greatest dramas uh, are, you know, greater than uh, the comedies. Or although I guess *Stardust Memories* is kind of like a comedy drama, yeah. but and um, you
1: can you can definitely see like um, um, Woody's influence on um, Dan Schneider's work. I think um, yeah. not just not just in plays or kind of like that sort of um, narrative kind of stuff, but but the novels as well. Like I think kind of you know the the whole idea of narrative, um, yeah, sort of sort of matryoshka doll Mm -hmm. narratives where people play other people's parts or things go alongside or there are subtitles to people's thoughts you know like this sort of this sort of um as well as the kind of the 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 turning of biography into fiction and like fragmenting kind of like you know putting oneself at the center sometimes Mm -hmm. Uh, like you know so, so so the influence goes deeper than kind of like the stuff that like on the surface like 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 his ratings on kind of like on like uh on websites wherever like uh, the effect like on other artists is mm-hmm. is uh, is noticeable too
0: well um this was uh good uh, let's let's talk for a few more uh, minutes after i uh, sort of uh, say goodbye to the audience um thank <laughs> okay. you guys for watching if you're not subscribed please subscribe if you haven't hit like please do so i have another artifact coming uh, up with ava schubert actually next week so i should be uploading this soon and then a week or so after that you guys are getting another artifact um so thank you for watching and i'll see you soon Oh, my God.